Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode... What are we, 60? I don't know. <laughs> oh, welcome to the Cadaver Lab uh, episode where we talk about anthology movies. <laughs> that that covers all our bases. Uh, I'm Mike, and with me, as always, is uh, Johnny Krug. What's up, my man? Hey, not much, man. How's it going? Well, uh, since we've just been BSing for the last hour, I think you know how it's going. <laughs> yeah, but th- that was a whole different set of uh, conversation. Yeah, that wasn't appropriate for um, for a horror podcast. No, we were talking yeah. about strip clubs. What? What? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm actually st- I'm actually thinking about starting up a strip club podcast. Dude, that'd be awesome. I actually um, thought about starting a comedy podcast. Oh, what happened to your Kruger Nation thing? I'm still doing Kruger Nation, but I get discouraged because I get so much like hateful comments and stuff on there that I'm just sick of people. Are you serious? I don't know if you've noticed. I went through and deleted like over half my videos on Kruger Nation because of all the hateful comments. Oh no, I've been. Oh really? Because I've just been waiting for your next one to come out. Oh, I mean, I've been and, filming them. I just I've been real hesitant to release them. Really? Because it's not I, that I, I give mean, a shit what people think. It's just these these people like hound me, dude. Like I don't mind people having these different opinions and being a holes, right. but man, when they're just like. Just constantly a holes and just—they're not even talking about what you're talking about. They're—they're they're basically going on there and just being a bunch of douche nozzles. Obviously, it's just—I uh, assume it's just like some internet trolls. Oh, that, that's exactly what it is. It's just trolls. It's, it's not anybody that uh, you know that uh, you know or anything, right? No, I mean, no, no, no. Everybody, everybody I know is really cool, and and no, it's the people that go on there and they make fun of you know my hair, or they make fun of you know just stupid shit. They get on there and they act like a bunch of assholes. Dude, I've been meaning to talk to you about your hair. Hey, my hair's getting long, dude. And how I'm very jealous of it. Hey, I'm growing the shit like Rapunzel. Oh, really? Oh, it's gr- I'm going to be like one of the Nelson brothers. Oh, af- will you sing After the Rain to me? Uh, I will. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> will you do that for? A, you should do that for a Kruger Nation and shut everybody up. Because once any kind of Nelson cover goes up, it, it's all people can do not to just uh, jizz in their pants. <laughs> I have mentioned before on Twitter and Facebook that, um, and I don't know if I'm doing it on Kruger Nation or starting another YouTube account, but I'm doing. Uh-huh. I'm going to start doing comedy and horror shorts. Oh yeah, and that's uh, and that's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, I I have a lot of that I'm, I'm working on. I mean, that's that's still going. That's not anything. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I just got actually. I, I want to say thanks to Ferguson, man. He sent me over a piece of music that he composed himself. And because I was having a hard time finding a piece of music that would fit the first comedy short I'm doing, so I explained to him the kind of style I needed, and man, he just he kicked that shit out so fast, and it's awesome, dude. Awesome. He did he? Oh, he's a man. Oh yeah. I mean, he sent me over a rough draft, and he's like, "What do you think, man?" He said, "Just keep in mind it's rough." And I said, and I listened to it, and I, I said, "Dude, that's almost a hundred percent perfect." The only difference was the tempo needed to be a little faster, uh-huh. but after he fixed the tempo, I mean, it is. Exactly what I thought I needed. Man, that guy's awesome. Oh, he is. And Ferguson's. And I don't know if you were on Twitter today, but um, uh, instead of Follow Friday for everybody else, he did the Follow Friday for me. Oh yeah. Oh, it was pretty funny. He he did. A, <laughs> apparently, I am. Uh, <laughs> every time he would say something different, like I I am the human Johnny Kruger dude's the uh, human centipede, human centipede, or uh, Kruger <laughs> Kruger dude eighty two is uh, the real warrior princess. <laughs> one of the last ones he just did was uh, while all of us were rocking the Garfield Trapper Keepers, Kruger dude was rocking the Heathcliff one with his faux hawk or, or something like that. 
Oh man, that guy's awesome, dude. I mean, oh, you know, sometimes I wonder what what makes that guy tick because he's like he comes up with some of the weirdest shit in the world. Like, who would have come up with the Garfield Heathcliff thing? I don't know, but I, I love it. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that this is just a big ploy to get into your pants eventually. I hope so. And while we're while we're talking about getting into my pants, oh, <laughs> no, a bad segue. But I I want everybody to. Um, Seriously, go back, and if you haven't listened to the cadaver tracks we've been doing, man, you, you need to go on there, because uh, Ferguson, man, puts these together, and they've been so... I just listened to the people under the stairs, and... Oh, that's so funny. I man. laughed my freaking ass off, man. Oh, my God. that and You know, and it's funny, because everybody's really funny on there, but freaking Ferguson, he could run that well, shit He could run that shit on his own, man. Oh, dude. You know what? And he and and sometimes I think, man, I'm just I shouldn't say much because I don't want to hopefully step on a joke that Ferguson does. <laughs> I, I swear to you, I'm like, I just like so basically, I don't know if I've told him this, but I thought, you know what? If you say something where I say something, yours goes in. Yeah. Because I don't know where that guy gets half the crap that's going around in his head. Well, well I mean, it's it, it's so unique and awesome. And also, we should probably mention that. July 31st is the deadline to send in your cadaver track for Jason X. Which should be a kick-ass movie to do it for. So, yeah, so make sure to get your cadaver tracks in. Um, there's uh, Actually, I have some announcements. You care if I go off for a sec? No way, dude. Do it. All right. So for those of you who are lucky enough to be in Utah, and I'm, and I'm uh, pretty excited to find out that there are actually uh, – I'm starting to get some emails and stuff from people who actually live in Utah, and I'm sorry for everyone else who doesn't who has to put up with these. Uh, these little announcements, but I just wanted to say, okay, this Saturday, that July 31st, after you've done submitting your cadaver tracks, if you head down to Burt's Tiki Lounge, um, you will get in uh, for $3 if you dress like a monster, $5 otherwise to see victims willing, lurking corpses, and of course, die, monster, die, and you know what the best thing about the show is going to yep. be? You're going to be there? Uh, well, do you know what the sec- after that, do you know what the second best thing is going to be? Nope. Die Monster Die is buying all the drinks. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Like, so I don't go, know how they can afford that. <laughs> Dude, these, are you kidding? Die Monster Die, you should see how many like, how many ladies hang out there at their practice studio. I call it the walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just saying drinks aren't cheap, dude. <laughs> well, and you know what the thing is? is uh, I, 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 even, I even emailed Shane. I'm like, man, you know, is it? This you know this is wild you know he's like you know what we do it because we love our fans we do it so we we can treat people to a good time and it's like well you know what I can't argue with that hey so. that's the same reason the cadaver lab passes out free butt sex <laughs> <laughs> we love the fans <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I have I have like six appointments tomorrow for that alone <laughs> alone <laughs> and it's like wow you know I. I, I just really love the people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you, you love them a little too much. Uh, sometimes I let them love me. <laughs> so so it goes both ways. What? <laughs> what? Uh, and also I wanted to mention, go to DiabloCast.com. Uh, Shane is, uh, I guess, you know, I guess uh, he started the Ear Fear thing. And uh, it's it, DiabloCast.com it's, is Ear Fear's bigger brother. Uh, so go over there, check him out. Just wanted to pimp his podcast uh, really quick. Anyways, and also I know I'm talking a lot about Die Monster Die, but uh, I just want to also mention Midnight Corey. Uh, you know, we all love and admire Midnight Corey. He actually did a review of Die Monster Die's latest album, Fall to Your Knees, which, by the way, kicks 
was perfect. It was an awesome review of the album. Uh, it's his episode seven. Go check it out. It's funny because he gave him a really good review. And sometimes I wonder, you know, I listen to stuff and I really like it, but I wonder if it's because I know him. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm giving a little bit extra because, you know, I know him and they're pretty good guys. And, it's like you know, when your mom calls you handsome. Yeah, it's exactly. Am I really handsome? Well, of course I am, you know, dumbass. Get off my case. But no, 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 for real. But no, is he gave me, I'm just glad that uh, that someone would, they, they could have an unbiased uh, opinion, really, you know, kind of uh, uh, he went in-depth, gave him a great review, and uh, also make sure to go check out their, that album on um, uh, DieMonsterDie.com. And uh, Shane, by the way, uh, now that I got it all out, I expect uh, 300 bucks for the advertising space. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's going to take away from those drinks. <laughs> no, I would, ne- I would never do that, man. <laughs> I, w- I would never take that away from anyone. No, but anyway, I just you know I'm just I'm pretty stoked about that that the show and their album and stuff, and of course they're really awesome dudes. Um, so and I, I, to me, it's just unbelievable that that they aren't you know more well known, and and maybe it's because of the genre that they're in or whatever. But because I, mean, I don't know how the biz works or anything like that, you know. But it's like I don't know. There's a lot of shit up there that, and I'm sure this has been said before, and it's probably cliche. There's a lot of shit up there that I'm shocked is out there and making money when you got you have guys like these that aren't, you know, making the millions and millions of bucks. At least I assume they're not. For all I know, they may be all living in a mansion, you know, pimping it up with, uh, you know, like a bunch of rappers or something. Is that what, <laughs> is that what people do when I, they're rich? I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't know. I talk to me in two years, and we'll we'll know. Cause... Oh, okay. All right, man. I uh, Two years from this day, I'll start the clock. I'm telling you, man. Anyways, what have you been going, having, uh, holy crap, what have you been doing lately? Uh, well, that's part of what I'm talking about. I've been... Uh, Really getting hardcore with my music. I don't mean hardcore like it's not heavy or anything, but uh-huh. I've been like, you know, balls deep in the writing process, and I'm getting oh, demos deep. recorded, and I'm I'm hopefully going to be in the studio recording something full length with. I hoped by the end of the summer, but I'm thinking it's going to be more of the fall. Oh, cool, man! What uh, have you got a whole band, or is this going to be a, a solo thing, or what? It's um, well, no, I'm going to go back to my old sound when I was a teenager and stuff. I'm going to go back to the alternative grunge type sound, and uh, well, it's it's what I was, you know, it's what I did back then, and I kind of the last couple of years straight away from it, got into the you know the folky acoustic crap, and it's it's really bummed me out, and it's not my style, and I did it just because I you know I didn't want to find a band, but now I've I've got off my ass, and I actually have studio musicians and i i'm also gonna i'm gonna be doing the drums and stuff on there myself so oh cool man yeah i'm pretty excited man plus uh you know girls don't get wet for folk music correct me if i'm wrong no well i'll tell you what i had this conversation earlier today and i think it if you're james taylor they do he was the original rock star dude jimmy t james taylor man was like he was a womanizer he was a freaking heroin he was Oh my God! Are you serious, James Taylor? You should watch like his behind the music, man. That guy was freaking always drugged up on heroin. He was always like sleeping with like twenty different chicks. You gotta be kidding me, man! You know he's one of the guys from that Carly Simon song "You're So Vain." He's one of the ones that is supposed that's about. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about uh, James Taylor, man. Yeah, he was a rock star, man. It's funny because you see him now; he's a bald old man. He looks kind of like a muppet. Hey! And he sits there and he... Hey, hey. Hey. Some of us choose to be that way. He's okay? not... He's a Some different kind of bald. Some of us can't help it. 
<laughs> whatever. He's got Come the Homer on. Simpson on the side. He actually looks like Homer Simpson. Except for really skinny. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen him in a uh, concert. <laughs> Ooh, donuts. <laughs> oh, that was a great Homer Simpson. <laughs> no, man, maybe I'm totally off base. Oh, I, I really think the... Uh, I think some of those uh, folk guys are poon magnets. Well, maybe it's just because Simon and Garfunkel were more interested in each other to ever, you know, make any time for the ladies. Especially Garfunkel, that freaking <laughs> curly hair bastard. Well, now what do you have against curly hair bastard? <laughs> Nothing. I'm just joking. <laughs> he always had the he had the white guy fro. Oh, dude. Oh, you know what I have I against could... you know what I have against Garfunkel? What is he had the white guy fro, and once his hairline went back to like his ears, he still had it. Well, dude, he he that was because at nights he doubled as like a bozo, the clown clone, and uh, you know with the big red hair and the fro in the back. That you know that's just part of his that's just part of his shtick, man. <laughs> I can actually see that too. Well, dude, that's because it's true. I wouldn't like start talking crap. I'm gonna watch this behind the music now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have so many terrible things running through my head, and I think we should just probably move on. We should uh, keep on trucking. Yeah, you seen any good flicks lately? Uh yeah, actually, um, I've been watching a lot of stuff at home, a lot of old movies. But offhand, I can't really think a lot of, of a lot of them. But um, you ever you ever seen uh, Trauma? Or were you about to say one? I thought you were saying that you couldn't remember. Oh, nothing at home, nothing I can remember. You talking about Argento's Trauma? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have that. Uh, you know, I watched that for the first time. It's like, I would you consider that to be one of his? When did that come out? Like ninety three? I think so. Yeah. Now I think it was ninety three. Um, now I have, I'm having a hard time kind of making up my mind on whether I like that or not, because some of it says that's it's awesome. Some of it like says, "Oh man, that was really cool." But part of me just says, "Oh my gosh, what the crap!" It was for me. It was kind of a defining moment for Argento because although I like that movie a lot, mm-hmm. it's not a good movie. And I think it was one of his first movies he made where you could tell it was a drop off from. From his usual style. Well, and you also have to realize that unlike most people on on this planet Earth, I really liked um, uh, even his Mother of Tears. I liked that movie. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize to anybody for liking that movie, and uh, because because I'm going to stay true to my values. Okay, people, I don't know why I decided to talk say that I'm not going to apologize. It's not like I'm uh, oppressed or anything. But anyway. Um, no, but, you know, I mean, of course, I love Suspiria, and I love Inferno, and uh, Tanner Bray, and, you know, some of those other ones, and uh, I haven't seen a lot of his newer stuff, like, I haven't seen uh, Giallo, and I haven't seen Opera. You know, oh, haven't you, seen... you haven't seen Opera? No, I haven't seen Opera. Oh, my God, I... dude, Opera is, seriously, it's one of his best. Really? Oh. So, I mean, I I have it, so maybe I should check that out. In fact, um, I was just... Uh, Trying to think it well before we start recording. I was trying to think of a movie that I wanted to watch tonight. Dude, opera but, oh, is wait, no, no, I don't. I have to watch something different that uh, is is going to be for the Cadaver Lab bonus episode. Word, uh, dude. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that because it's a big secret. Yeah, I'm serious, man. You should <laughs> check out Opera. It's it's one of his best. All right, so okay, so I'll check. Out. But have you it, seen Sleepless? Uh, no, I haven't seen Sleepless. That's w- well, from 2001, and that's the best movie he's made in a long time. Really? Oh yeah. Well, and and the thing is, is that's why a lot of people say that oh he lost it, but I haven't I haven't seen a lot of his newer stuff. I love a lot of his older stuff. I don't think you know? he lost it. I think what it is. I mean, here's my thing with Argento. It's like Wes Craven. It's like 
um, John Carpenter and Toby Hooper. I think once these guys get older, it's not that they lost it and they're not making movies that they that are enjoyable. They're just making movies that aren't up to what they used to be. I mean, are, or or they're making different movies. It's like yeah, it's like you know, in a lot of people, uh, I think it's so funny because I mean, they they kind of have the the the. A lot of people, when they when they judge it, they kind of have the Metallica syndrome, uh, where oh man, I like their old stuff, but their new stuff is all crap. Well, you know, is that true, or is it just crap compared to their old stuff? Exactly, type of thing. And that you know, and and so it's like, well, you know, and being someone who I can appreciate, like um, the first, you know, the first Metallica album I heard was Injustice for All, and I freaking loved it. However, I can still appreciate. Like, uh, you know, even load or reload. And I don't think it's awesome, but I don't think it's like the most heinous bl- piece of blasphemy ever made, you know, like a lot of people do. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I have low expectations. I, I just figure, listen, it's just different. No. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of bands that were coming out at that same time, like what, what is that, like 96 and 97 or something? Those albums were coming out that were huge, and their, and their albums were just garbage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Opinion. And so, but it's like since they weren't, you know, since they didn't have this high bar that was already set and they hadn't changed their type of music, you know, whatever. And maybe, whatever. I mean, I don't want to go off too much. I don't know why. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in a chatty mood. But, <laughs> the, the, you know. The, the thing about know. Argento is that his, it, okay, his movies are kind of spaced out where he'll do a really good one and then he'll do one that's, you know, it's just, it's enjoyable, but it's not, you know, his top tier. You know, mm-hmm. he did, like, in 2001, he did Sleepless. And, I have to watch Sleepless, too, and I have that one. And, oh, I love that. That's that's one of my favorites of his. That and opera, you're missing out, man. Um, well, not for long. But then he did Mother of Tears, you know, what, in, like, 2008? and Something like that. And in between there, you know, he did Giallo after that, and then before that he did, you know, Do You Like Hitchcock, and he did The Card Player. Well, in my opinion... All of which I haven't seen. Uh, well, Do You Like Hitchcock, Giallo, and The Card Player... Weren't bad movies, but they were just your run-of-the-mill, you know, psychological thriller kind of movie. They mm-hmm. they weren't anything. I mean, honestly, if you didn't know it was Argento going into it, you wouldn't know it was Argento. Really, and that's what that's what I think is a little bit different about it because you watch a movie like Sleepless or Mother of Tears, and you can still see that that's the same guy. Right, but people act like he hasn't done a good movie in twenty years, and and I don't think that's true, man. I think I think he just they're spaced out. I think he's doing really good ones, and then he's doing ones that are just you know they're average. You know what? And the thing is about Mother of Cheers, I think some of the things that I really like about that are the, the boobs. well, <laughs> duh, but uh, are you know some of the some of the, the the things that were reminiscent of his older his older movies and whatever you know and people say it's terrible and whatever but you know some of his there was I mean it's funny because somebody will say oh you know like I heard the the criticism oh all the witches that are running around you know in the subway or whatever that was they're they're just freaking corny and cheesy but it's like no offense but that's kind of how it's always been. Oh yeah, go back and watch watch Inferno or Suspiria and tell me that yeah, it like, wasn't cheesy in parts. I mean, it is, but it's it's awesome. But it's it's totally awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Anyways, I I guess I have to check that out. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should do a, a an Argento show on movies that Mike's never seen or something. Dude, we should. And and I'm gonna go ahead and say right now that before we get a lot of people, you know, <laughs> bagging on me, Argento is like my second favorite, first or second favorite director of all time. So I'm a little bit sweeter on him than a lot of people i guess <laughs> you know i actually did watch uh, a documentary on argento since we recorded last uh i can't remember exactly what it's called an eye for her 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's a good one. Where there, it, it was a really good one, except for there was one part that really freaked me out. Is when uh, they were talking to uh, the what, what's her name? Uh, Aja. Asia. Aja. Yeah. And uh, she was like, "Yeah, I think he puts me in his movies because uh, he remembers Daria, and you know, there's some kind of thing." He's like, and then she said something about, "And I wonder if he has strange thoughts in his head, but I don't like to think about it because it's icky." Or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I was like, "Bah." Well, she's never right. died in a movie, but she talked about how she got raped like 28 times in one film. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know that, what? That's something I don't want going around in my head if I'm a if I'm uh, somebody's daughter. You know what amazes me is you look at Aja Argento, and I think she is pretty hot. I think you know. I think she's on and off. Yeah, well, she is. I mean, sometimes she looks like a sleaze bag, but I think 90% of the time she is smoking. It's hard for me to believe that she came out of uh, uh, out of Daria Nicolodi's penis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Cause have you seen her lately? She looks like a man, dude. What? And she has a voice too. Her voice is all like low and gravelly. Uh, she yeah, she was in the documentary. I haven't. I've, I don't know if I've seen a. She's, newer, when I, uh, she's like when I was married to Dario. <laughs> She's she's like she reminds. Have you ever seen that commercial where that guy like gets that uh, old lady bartender to call into work? He's like, yeah, I'm feeling really sick. Yeah, yeah that that's her now. Oh yeah, she uh, she's a chain smoker. You know the thing is, is she? I mean, she wasn't like like in uh, Tenebrae. She wasn't like you know ugly. No, no, she was she was all right back in the day. I her eyes. She, I mean, she wasn't awesome. Her. No, she was she wasn't an Aja. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to go there. I'm not. I'm not ready because sometimes I think, "Wow, she's really hot." But then a lot of times I think, "Oh my gosh, talk about gonorrhea on a stick." Oh well, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, that's just a given. No. Oh. Well. Okay. Well, I guess we're on the same page. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not gonorrhea on a stick that I wouldn't try. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're selling yourself short because venereal diseases and uh, those types of things can really ruin your life. Yeah, I, it's a trip, I, I'm, trip I'm, to Italy. I'm a health teacher. I'm a health teacher, do you know that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Are you really? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, anyway, uh, no, that's really all I have. I watched a couple other movies. I've been, I've been, uh, um, kind of going on. I've been having a little bit extra time to to watch a few movies, but I think that uh, maybe it's time to uh, get into the show. Uh, what do you say we um, we play some ear fear and then we get into some uh, voicemails? Kick ass. Good evening, cadaver Labanites. This is Shane Diablo with another taste of ear fear for you. Tonight, we have three great bands starting off with an amazing band from Europe. They're called Volbeat, and they are awesome. Mike Polson, lead singer, has pipes that will clean a shotgun. This song is soul weeping. Question I 
This song is called River Queen. Volbeat have been on tour recently with Metallica in Europe. They're going to be in the United States in August, I believe. You can uh, check them out at volbeat.dk. anymore. They were around for a couple of years, 2005 to 2006, 2007. Put out a great full-length album called It Begins, Left for Dead from Salt Lake City. They came from out of space to control Songs called My Machine. Back to 
least one of the hardest working bands around, the Independents. They are absolutely 100% independent. They're always on tour. You can find them at theindependence.net. This is an amazing band and absolutely full energy, full throttle live. Unbelievable. Good times. Oh yeah, and Mike, 
You're holding my boomstick. Yay! Hey guys, um, this is Zombie Girl. Uh, I don't know why I'm sounding happy about this. I've been really bullied into it um, by Gracie's Poppy. Uh, but I owe him for pimping all my stuff on the forums. And all the work he's been doing there, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic, so I sort of thought I'd have to do it. Um, I, I hate this kind of thing because I'm rubbish at it, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. So I was actually seriously thinking about doing a, an impression of gargling in the testicle thing, but I, I couldn't find a suitable substitute. I was thinking like an egg or a tomato, and, and then I just thought, what are they turning me into here? Like, I'm too British for all this kind of stuff. You just, we don't do that kind of thing. And then I thought, well, having said that, Abraham's going to ring in and do one without a doubt. And so maybe it's just me. Um, so I'm actually quite looking forward to that because I just can't do it. Um, but I really wanted to say thanks to everyone for being so cool about all my art stuff. Everyone's been so supportive and I'm new to it and I haven't, you know, I haven't done this for ages and ages um, and I've only really started it recently and it's just like, it's lovely to have the support. Um, the other thing was, as far as the format goes, I just, I love it. It's fantastic. It doesn't matter how long the shows are, the longer the better. And it's, you know, sort of, you can't, you can't go wrong with it. People can turn it off if they don't if they don't want to listen. If you haven't got time to listen to, just turn it off. Um, the well, it, you know, the slasher bit is absolutely fantastic. I love slashes. Um, I watched the um, Bay of Blood, the Mario Bava film recently that you you were on about. I think you mentioned him. It's the first one I've actually seen, uh, and. You could see all the influences for Friday the 13th, and from a sort of special effects point of view, it was it was just great. I loved it. So I'm going to try and look into the the um, other stuff that he's done as well. Um, the Cadaver classics um, are brilliant. I love all the old stuff, so that's a winner as well. And Stephen's balls are legendary now. You have to face it. So you know. You kind of have to tune in just to find out how they're getting on. Um, anything from the public domain is a win-win situation. Um, and as far as Johnny and Mike go, they're both gorgeous. You are. And Johnny's pretty. Let's face it, he's got his eyes, beautiful eyes. You know, I have to say it. And Mike knows what I think about him, I hope. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go... It's a great show, and everything's great about it. Um, I was also thinking, if anybody has any ideas about um, anything they want me to try and draw or paint, I need as much practice as I can, so I thought, you know, get on the forums and just suggest it, and I'll see what I can do, because I really need to do stuff as much as I can. Um, and really get on the forums anyway, because they, be, they deserve to be on there. You know, um, it's a great community and everybody's been lovely and they're so, like, you know, good fun and nice to talk to and there's no sort of bad feelings there. Everyone's just great. So get on there. Um, I'm going to go now because I'm just waffling. Um, love the show. Keep it up. 
Um, I hope I've satisfied Grace's puppy now and they'll stop bugging me. Um, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Man, it sounds like Gracie's poppy is like going around. Uh, uh, he's like some kind of a uh, what do you call it? It's like a loan shark, man. <laughs> he's gonna break so, people's legs if they don't get on the forums. I'm gonna break your kneecaps if oh. you don't call in. Listen, Gracie's poppy, be nice. <laughs> hey, he's okay. getting people to the forums, man. Uh oh, awesome. I mean, I, I'm just teasing, by the way, because I'm sure that I, he's he's a solid dude. He's you know. And, uh, but really, if you do feel intimidated by him, let me know. And uh, uh, I know where he'll he break Mike's legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll show up in uh, in like full uh, uh, hockey goalie attire because <laughs> because I'm a big tough guy, you know. Dude, by the I, way, I, isn't she like the cutest? Absolutely, voice ever. <laughs> absolutely, I loved that that call, that voicemail. Um, she she talked about her art, dude. If you want to go to the forums and check out some of the stuff she's she's uh painted or or some of the you know the stuff she's done she did prosthetics on you know like her brother and stuff and man she is really talented you know in in it's funny because i mean it's like it seems like some people who are good at i guess art are good in, at art in general because uh, or maybe it's just her i don't know but i've seen some of her her uh, just like what you're talking about i don't know what the, the makeup or the sculptures or whatever but she's also she also uh drew something for uh drew a uh, thing for steven over at jfmp that uh, he let me take a look at it was uh, steven's coming up with uh, actually i don't know if i should say it because it might be a big secret but uh anyways he, he she did something for him and it was freaking unbelievably good Oh man, she it's, she's awesome. It's awesome. She did a um she did an ash from Evil Dead that was really cool. I really, think I, I gotta get on there and check that out then. I think I think she did it out of um I want to say um like pastels, or oh, okay. is that what you call them? Or like the like the charcoal? Um, I think so. I think. Are you called, really asking me? I don't about, know because uh, I I don't know shit about it, dude. I mean, but everything she's done on there is just fantastic, man. Just awesome, and oh, it's really cool, man. I, I, you know, I'm laughing because I looked at my, I, I was typing around some things that, you know, in response to the voicemail and whatever. And, uh, but it's like, she's like, oh, I thought about, um, that, this is not how she sounds at all, but you know, it's, it's, I guess the best I can do. But she was just basically saying how, you know, she didn't want to, to, uh, to gargle a testicle and what she's turned into. You know, this is just another, this is just another example of Cadaver Lab painting or tainting someone's uh, purity. Oh, absolutely! And, uh, I, it's loathsome. That's the first okay. thing I thought right then. I thought, man, what have we done? And we, you know what this, uh, you know this pure flower is. Uh, you know, we, we're we're just not. We, we need we need to step it up. Is what I'm saying. Well, we're done with we're done with the lowbrow. It's it's done. Oh. <laughs> forever <laughs> after after the next yeah. 28 episodes yeah you know i was gonna say i think we've actually said that before i think we've actually said that we're gonna step it up before uh i don't think it lasted more than uh, a couple of minutes actually yeah it was you and sam was on the episode when he talked about the hr conference or whatever i don't even remember hr conference oh oh no i don't remember oh, i remember dude Oh, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, but I wanted to say one last thing. Um, out of that awesome email, the the Mario, ba uh, yeah, the Mario Bava stuff. Um, in fact, I've been watching a lot of that lately, and I even watched uh, um, 
uh, I did watch, go back and watch Bay of Blood. I think that's what you're talking about. How because that's the one where Friday the Thirteenth, uh, you know, directly stole a kill from, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you know, the it, it, here, I mean, it, let's put it this way: it's been done and it's been redone over and over. But you know, obviously, he was one of the first to ever do it. And going back and watching those is like um, having it's like kind of. You know, you know how you ever say, "Oh, well, I, w- I wish I hadn't seen this movie. I wish I could watch this movie for the first time again." Oh yeah. You know, you ever say that? That's kind of like what it is. It's and I it's so it's almost silly how obvious um, some of the ripoffs are. Some you know some of the some of the ripoffs that you know people do in their movies. You know, after him, stole from him. Oh, oh, oh excuse me, homage. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're they're paying tribute. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that was an awesome voicemail. Oh, that was excellent. Hi, guys. It's 42nd Street Freak from the UK. Oh, I said I'm a phone, and here I am. Um, first off, got to say, loving the shows. And um, I've just noticed all the films you've got on here. Um, you mentioned them in the show that you've put films on the site. I didn't actually notice you had done, so I'll be checking some of them out. Certainly looking forward to checking out Savage Weekend. Oh, yes. Um... On the new show, oh, I'm fucking this up, aren't I? Anyway, on the new show, um, like the four-hour epic you gave us, very good. Um, not seen Survivor Row, don't really want to. Not seen The Hazing, uh, sounds quite good. The Initiation, I picked that up cheap um, a couple of years back. Um, enjoyed that a lot. Like, like the twist, had some characters you actually cared for. Um, yes, I like that, and yes, as you said, um, most excellent poster. What a new bar, young candle. Um, as for balls, um, English balls being torn off and consumed, dreadful state of affairs. Um, but you know, it's English, we have plenty of balls to go round, even if they're not on the football pitch. Anyway, I think that's about it. That's all I'm going to say, because I'm not used to such things, so uh, I'm scared. Anyway, no, so keep up the good work, enjoying the show, and uh, I may annoy you again with a phone call another time, and I hope it hasn't been too long or it's costing me too much money. <laughs> Bye-bye. You know one thing about wait, 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 wait. 42nd Street Freak? Is wait, on, wait, the, wait, on the forums, second. man. He goes on there a lot, and he writes these awesome reviews for movies, and the and he really goes into into detail and length about him, and I really like that. But a lot of the movies I've never even heard of, which is really cool, because I I hear I read his review and I'm like, man, that's a lot of it opens you know, it opens my eyes to a lot of movies I would have never heard of. You know, and and he, that's a great example of someone who knows way more about movies, film than I do. Oh, dude, absolutely, you know, like, he's he's way really more. up on his movies. And you know the thing is, is uh, I, what I found is that you like I'm with you. I haven't seen a lot of the movies that he talks about. Of uh, what, what's the URL again? The URL to his website is beardyfreak.com. B e a r d y freak. And it's like basically what you what what I like to do, and what I've done two or three times is go through there, go through the hundreds of movies. I swear he's got he's he's done so many reviews and uh, talks about all these movies. Uh, read a couple of them. Uh, go see if I have them. And every once in a while, I'll have one. And then uh, I will uh, 
uh, go read his thing, and this guy picks up more shit about his this these movies than uh, you know. It, it just kind of adds a lot to it, and, and uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm embarrassed to even uh, to even uh, I would never put my knowledge against his for sure. <laughs> no, you, you know he's awesome, dude. So so um uh I, okay, you know I got to be honest with you. I was gonna make a World Cup joke. And uh, because all those, all the, all the hooligans in in England love their football, that 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 wasn't a very good, anyway. So, <laughs> but uh, I was gonna say, I bet right now that there are plenty of people over there that would like to rip off Rooney's balls and gargle them because of what a big wuss he is. I think I just offended the whole country, but I'm not sure. You know, I feel you know, really I stupid. Know. Like I have no idea who that is. Is that the Dude, goalie I, that everybody's been talking about? Oh no no no! His too. I forgot about that. You got to realize, I I don't know shit about soccer. <laughs> I don't know crap about it either. Yeah, but your problem is you don't know crap about football or basketball either. Hey, I know a little about football, a little, like enough that you know I know as much as the Olsen twins. <laughs> so you boned every single NFL player in the league? I didn't say that. Maybe half. Oh, whatever. Anyways, uh, he called in once again. Hi, guys. 42nd Street Freak here again. Yeah, I ate wankers that phoned twice in one podcast, too. Um, <laughs> God, I made a complete tits up of that phone call. So um, just a quick one and a better one, I hope. Um, mentioning the films you've got on the website, streaming, um, brought back a memory of um, what I meant to say on the other call. Um, how do you guys handle your to-watch list? Um, mine currently stands at about 170 films. <laughs> um, so, what's the number that you guys have yet to watch on that dreaded to-watch list? And uh, what are your rules for yourself? Do you want to get it down to a certain number before you buy any more films? Or are you like me, a very bad man who keeps buying films even when he knows he shouldn't? Um, anyway, that's it. Thought I'd throw that question out there. So, uh, how do you handle your to watch films? How many have you got on? And uh, take care. Have a good one. Bye bye. And uh, bye bye. So, how do you handle your to do or your to watch list? Um, it's. <laughs> I used to be really good about setting those movies aside. But right now, I have about, no joke, probably about 30 movies that I need to watch. I would say more than that because I have a lot of those um, pub public domain box sets. Oh, right. But as far as movies that I've been picking up and stuff, I really, I, I'm like him, man. I pick up just a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't. And Dude. I know they're good, or, or I know that I'll probably like them, but they just they get put on the shelf and it takes so long to get to them. Do you want to know how I handle mine? How's that? And, and first of all, let me just explain that um, I I collect I have a large large collection of movies, and because uh, you know I buy a lot of DVDs, but I also acquire them from uh, some kind of sometimes some. Okay, I'll be the first to admit it. Are you from Somalia? I am actually <laughs> originally, um, and. It, I don't. You know what's funny is I used to try to keep track of the ones I want to watch, but then the, that list got so long that it's like, oh my gosh, th there's no possible way that I don't. I mean, I could, I could literally. I've probably seen about half of the movies that I have access to right now, 
literally. And it's like how I handle my to-watch list. First of all, I try to put them on so we can watch them for the show. You know, because that's how I end up watching most of the movies that I watch. Is just ended up because I watch them for the show, um, and that's why I do the podcast. A lot of well, that's why I started the podcast so I could have a, an excuse to watch them. Um, but usually, how I handle it is I get it. I'm really excited to see it. I put it away, and then I uh, forget about it, and it sits there. That's pretty much my thing. <laughs> it's shameful. It's you know it, I don't know. I wish. I wish I, yeah, uh, I just wish I had more time, really, to do it. Or, you know, I think if my wife liked horror movies, I think that it, I, I would really have already it, it seen quite a few. But unfortunately, um, we just she she just cannot get into them, uh, which is fair enough because I can't get into most of her movies too. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, have you seen um, Eclipse? I have. Have you really? Yes, I have. <laughs> I was just messing with you, dude. Dude, I've seen it. I went to the theater on the opening weekend to see it. Well, let me let me explain something to you, man. What, what was it? Oh, Ember, my wife, was, um, she was looking, she, she was, she's, her grandma's been really, really sick recently. And she's been up there at, at her grandma's house taking, taking kind of a shift and, uh, you know, uh, of watching her. And there's this big, long story and blah, blah, blah and of why she's up there. And, you know, it's I don't want to get into it because it's long and it's boring and uh, it pisses me off. But on on one Friday, I uh, she she was like, oh, man, you know, the, the kids, they're, they're driving me crazy. And I've, will you come pick them up? And I didn't go pick them up because... I wanted to stay at work and play basketball. <laughs> so so I stayed at work and played basketball. And then I went out, and, and, and Sam came up, and we played basketball. And then Sam and I went out to lunch, well, with a couple other guys, too. And so here I am. You know, we played basketball for a couple hours, and we BSed at lunch for a couple hours. So it's about uh, 3 o'clock, and uh, I get another call. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like, oh, never, you know, never mind. You know, don't you don't bother coming up. I've, I think I've got it handled. And I was thinking to myself, first of all, was I supposed to hurry to go help her? Damn it! And second of all, did she really think I was going to go up to her? No, no, I won't. I won't say second of all because that just makes me look like a turd. But so I was feeling especially guilty, so I took her to go see uh, Eclipse. And she, you know, she even she didn't really like it. You know, and that's funny too because I've heard several people say that this is the best out of the three as far as being like universally <laughs> like uh, attractive no. to people outside of that crappy genre. No, 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 no. Not at all, huh? Well, well, well. I guess I guess maybe out of three, maybe, but I can't see anybody not. <sighs> you know, dude. Every preview I see for it is just a bunch of shirtless guys. It, it's, well, it's, which was which was really cool. Well, well you know? to me, it's kind of funny. Nothing. though. It's like a joke, man. Like, well, you know, honestly, it's like they make the they make the trailer look like it has a lot of action in it, and you know, whatever. There's literally like ten seconds of action. I will admit one thing that it's cool how a vampire dies. It like it like kind of breaks up like a rock or something, you know. But uh, but I mean, the movie was almost two hours long, and the thirty seconds of cool special effects on how they died um, did not make up for the rest of the time me wanting to slit my own wrists. You know what's funny though, like. I would love for there to be a, a version of this kind of movie that went to theaters and 
a bunch of you know topless women in the preview, you know, like running at each other. I, I would seriously, I would like to see the reaction, dude. I found I found some videos, and it was called Twilight for for dudes. Oh yeah, and and basically it was just a couple of hot ladies making out with each other. I saw that. That was pretty good. It was funny because all the guys were so excited when they were interviewing him outside the theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the exact one I saw. Like, this is the it best was awesome year. <laughs> I can't believe how deep it was. Oh yeah, it was so funny. That's yeah, great. so that's what it would be like. Uh, by the way, just want to send a shout out to Aaron for for um, giving us all those Friday night frights. And I didn't pull one out today because even Aaron deserves some vacation time. Okay, absolutely. And, you know that's He's really cool, man. I like going on there and seeing what's on there. Oh, it, you know, I I actually. Uh, on a lunch break, uh, turned down lunch to watch Savage Weekend. Turned down going to lunch to uh, to watch Savage Weekend. It was awesome, and uh, you know him him getting all that together. I really appreciate it. I think it's really cool. You cool dude, man. It's, it's good that he does that. Hey guys, it's Spooky Bill. I just wanted to call. Uh, one, I don't think I ever thanked you for the uh, price pack, so thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, and uh, two, I just wanted to to get your guys' input on something because. Something I've noticed you guys have said, and I've said it myself too. So, I mean, I think just about everybody has said it, and so we're all the really all the blame. Um, but when you say a movie is good for what it is, what is it? What, what does that mean? I mean, what what are you saying it is, or what are you saying it's supposed to be? It's a movie, okay? Yeah, it's a. a it's a low-budget movie. Well, that's what it is. I mean, it's always is what it is because it can't be what it isn't. I don't know. I just just something that I was just kind of pondering, I guess, and uh, struck me as odd and started to annoy me that I say that and other people say that, or I mean, said that. <laughs> Sorry, early in the morning. Um, but yeah, what is it? If it you know, if it isn't what it is, what is it? So it always is what it is. Okay. Anyway, hey, I just want to say that. And, uh, hey, today's the 4th of July, so have an awesome one. Probably won't hear this until the 4th of September. But, hey, regardless, have an awesome one. Bye. Are you serious? you going to drop that bomb? <laughs> Come awesome. on. <laughs> that, oh, I have man. an answer for that question. Sure. And, and here's how I, when I say that, I usually say that when I'm referring to a movie that I like, but I understand that, in the general population, it wouldn't be seen as a good movie. You know, something like Critters or something like uh, Pieces, a movie that, to me, is a lot of fun, and I have fun with it, but if I recommend it to people, I would say it's a really good movie, but, you know, for what it is, it's a good movie, you know, because you kind of have to know what you're getting into. And, and to me, like you said, what, what you're getting into, um, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, but... You have to know kind of what it is, because if you're talking about a movie like Pieces, you're talking about uh, an exploitation slasher film, you know, and it's, you know, it's not the best movie ever, but it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. You know, and a lot of times, I don't necessarily think it's, uh, when you say that, it's disparaging to a movie. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think neg- it is either. I don't think it's a negative thing. But but what it is, is, uh, and let's be honest, not every movie is out there to change your life. It's oh. not out there. It's not out there to try to wow you with its... Um, with its new brand new story and it's just unbelievably, you know, something totally unique. Because you know what, most movies, let's be honest with you, you know, 
with whatever. Most like ninety percent of the movies that we watch aren't mind blowing. No, you know, horror or not, you know. Um, it, it, and I think it, I think for what it is, I think that's just kind of an admission uh, that it's it's not trying to be anything but an hour and a half of entertainment. Exactly, you know, it, it's not trying to be something that it isn't. It's it's um, I mean, because how many movies do you watch where it's preachy or it's you know or whatever, and 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 it's not that good where you can kind of tell that it's trying to be something that it's not. Um, when I think when somebody says you know, for what it is that people are just, what, I mean, we watch a movie. I don't think, I don't think the director's trying to fool anybody into thinking that it's anything, but uh, you mentioned pieces, but I don't, I don't think he was trying to make anybody think that it was anything but a, a, you know, a cheesy exploitation slasher type deal. Oh no. And you, you you kind of have to know what you're getting into. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and Whatever. I mean, I, I don't know if I I don't know if I necessarily agree with you. you. Have to know what you're getting into. However, it's nice to be able to to watch it and make that realization, and you know, and not not try to judge it based on something it's they didn't even try for. You know, I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, but like what I was what I was saying, like you knowing what mm-hmm. you're getting into. Like if I'm misled into a movie where someone says. You know, this movie is the best slasher movie ever made, and then I go into it and I watch it, and I'm like, that was a piece of shit. The reason I think something like that is because I went into it with the mindset that it was going to blow my mind. Right. And that's why I think, you know, I I think that phrase comes from, you know, movies like Sleepaway Camp 3 and Pieces, (laughs) where they're fun movies. They're fun to watch. Yeah, agreed. And so, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I think, like, the majority of movies fall into that thing you know the last time i actually came came out of a, of a movie thinking whoa you know was uh Eclipse. ironically enough well no no, no. <laughs> ironically enough since i said whoa i thought it was matrix you know <laughs> i walked in, i walked out of matrix just going whoa just thinking it was badass but I th- you know i think for me it was probably um I don't know. It's it's probably going to be uh, the remake of The Wicker Man or the remake of Prom Night. Those two blew my mind. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I, you know, oh. I almost had to hold my vomit there for a second. I thought I was going to start barfing when I said that about The Wicker Man. No. Oh, come on. Why Wait. is it burned? <laughs> I'm going to punch Nicolas right. Cage in the freaking five head next time I see him. <laughs> uh, five head. Hey there, Cadaver Lab. Uh, this is the Wolfman calling in. A British friend of mine sent over a little something that I've emailed to you. I hope the file got to you all right. But uh, just listening to the last show, and Mike, I just can't believe you don't didn't know what CBT was. I mean, all those times when Sam hooked up the clamps and the weights and stuff, you never asked what it was called? Amazing. Yeah, who knows? Though, um, Johnny... When it comes to, I mean, you got to remember to breathe when you're talking about movies like Sorority Row. It helps to calm you down, let things flow. You can aim better when you're trying to zero in on the director with the sniper rifle. Breathing is a good thing. It helps to keep you relaxed so that that shot always goes straight through the temple. All joking aside, I do enjoy the long shows myself. Uh, For one thing, it helped me... uh, feel a bit better when my show runs over because then I can uh, always say that 
At least I'm not running three, four hours long. And besides, it kills not only a good chunk of my day at work, but my commute as well. And uh, when you've got the commute that I do, you need something to help kill it, preferably quickly. Um, on the subject of Mr. Sardonicus, because that came up a couple of times a few shows ago, uh, you really do have to see this one. Whether or not you care about how many endings Castle shot and shipped out, you have to watch the movie simply because the ending on it that was the favored one is so delightfully vicious and vindictive and really quite richly deserved. It's that look of smug satisfaction that you really want to have at the end of the movie put on film. And uh, as for whether or not any movies out there actually call for remakes, um, in most cases I agree with you that most movies don't need a remake, but uh, in the case of a couple, they wouldn't hurt. Example A, Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory. This movie from the 60s desperately needs to be remade by somebody with a proper sense of sleaze. You've got a perfectly wonderful title like that, and it was just completely wasted on the original movie. Uh, you can catch that on the Chilling Classics collection, or maybe you can talk Aaron to talking about it for the public domain section sometime. But ultimately, this movie really does need to be remade by somebody with a properly modern sensibility about getting women naked. Anyways, this is The Wolfman, and I'll see you later. So basically what he's saying is, um, you know what, maybe most movies don't need to be remade, but if you can stuff more boobies in them, then that's okay. Exactly. That's what I heard. <laughs> I still have yet to see uh, Mr. Sardonicus. I need to see it, man, because uh, I love uh, William Castle and I almost said Frank Castle. Yeah, I love The Punisher, but <laughs> no, I, I love I love everything I've seen from him, and so I think you know, you know, it's, right. if it's so good, I need to see it. Well, uh, you know, there, I, like I said, there are so many things I still need to see that are on my to do list or to watch list, and I have I I I have Mister Chardonnay is sitting here I don't, waiting to be watched. I don't have it. I might put it on Netflix. Jeez, but yeah, it's it's shameful. Like I said, it's shameful. You know, I'm just gonna have to say, Amber, let's. Uh, how am I gonna make her watch horror? No, I don't want to make her watch horror. She's. I don't want to. Ch- I don't want to change her. Okay. Really? Did I just get all sweet and lovey? I think you did. Oh, that's because I saw clips. <laughs> Anyways, listen. I I knew I knew about CBT. I knew well. I knew that there was cock and ball torture. I just didn't realize it had a real name. <laughs> uh, you know, that somebody actually referred to it as okay. I didn't realize it was such a big thing. But by the way, Ferguson uh, sent me a video today, and I'm not even lying to you that uh, would put anything that we've ever mentioned to shame. So uh, Ferguson, if if I sound a little more demented than than usual, it's I blame him, and you should too. <laughs> I haven't uh, checked my email. Hopefully, <laughs> that's not sitting to mine. <laughs> what man, we. I was going to say, I, I don't know why I'm, like, shocked about this, but we do spend a lot of time talking about balls. <laughs> I've heard that. Oh, uh, whatever. Anyways, you got one last uh, voicemail. Hello there, Cadaver Lab. Jolly good day we're having, isn't it? On your last show, you asked for somebody to call in with a proper British accent and give you an idea of what it would sound like for them to be choking on a testicle. Well, with the help of my assistant Jeeves here... <coughs> oh, shush, it's not like you were using them anyways. Let's see how this works. Now, let's just... Oh, as you can see, it's that something... It, 
it really isn't. I say. There, Jeeves, that's yours. Well, as you can see, that's about what it would sound like. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think I'm going to go off and uh, see if Jeeves is ready with the tea bags. Cheerio. That's Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I gotta be honest with you. I expected a lot more, a lot more uh, muffled. Uh, uh, I just, uh, I just blanked on, uh, uh, th- on the funny things that British people say that that uh, oh, oh tits, like uh, I t- I cocked it up or something like that. You know, just just <laughs> that doesn't make sense over here. But I expected a few more of those things. But uh, no, that was actually a very informative. <laughs> Informative <laughs> thing, unbelievable. That's pretty. That awesome. was awesome. I, like, that actually sounded a lot like I expected. I guess I, I, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> I don't remember that being said. Uh, it was in, it was in, uh, it was in classic. Okay, yeah, I didn't listen to the last episode, so I need to go back apparently and listen to this. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we got uh, it definitely got the uh, attention of the Brits. I guess. <laughs> Because uh, they, a few people have said it in voicemails, and I'm like, "What are they?" I don't remember saying anything about that. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you don't listen. What is the show too long for you? No, I. Uh, I'm just teasing. I you. would listen, but I don't. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, you, you think I'm just gonna sit here and, I, and take that? From hey, you? I used to listen all the time until I was on the show, and then it's like I don't want to hear my own ass talk. Yeah, I don't blame you. I have to hear it while I edit. Yeah, you're like God. I can't stand that's that prick. Suffering. No, I. It's I. I don't feel like I sound that way, but you know what? Apparently, I do. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do? Nice. Oh, hey, thanks everybody for the voicemails. Those were freaking awesome. Oh, there's some good ones. Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, what do you say we do some uh, classics and then come back and talk about some anthology? Hell yeah. Now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello everybody, welcome to Cadaver Classics. I am Mike and with me as always is the pod god Steven. Hey, how are we doing tonight, Mike? You know what, I almost I almost uh, introduced you with, uh, you know, with some kind of a different uh, um, description, but I, I just read your, uh, your Corpse Collective uh, bio that you submitted. And in there, it said that you're a pod god. Therefore, it must be true since now it's on the internet. Well, yeah, because the journalistic integrity of the Corpse Collective cannot be disputed. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's excellent, man. So, how you doing? I'm doing well, my friend, and yourself. I actually actually had to work two days in a row. Oh man, a little rough on me. What a you know bitch. what? I I am just kidding. You got I work I work hard for a living, okay? Oh, it's I, I understand that your job is very stressful. Are you being serious? Yeah, it's tough telling other people what to do. I mean, because you know, you and I have ascended okay. oh, to the pinnacles of our professions and <laughs> delegating listen, Not only do I have to tell people what to do, but I have to look like I'm doing something to set a good example. Well, okay. I, yeah, that's I, the hard part. That's right the there. hard part. That's that's <laughs> a lot of mental work there because what you know what is going to look the most productive without actually accomplishing anything. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I always crank yet, my. I still uh, want to be able to take around. credit for something. So, you know, it's it's well, a lot of there's a lot of math involved, <laughs> equations. You, the algorithms you have to go through in your head in order to get that credit are astounding. In fact, it, I dare say that if we I put that much work into my actual job, man, yeah, it would you, be phenomenal. Would, the but sky's you know the why, limit. Why, why, why sell myself short? <laughs> that's it's just sad <laughs> oh man um so today we are going to be talking about the vault of horror we are are we yep i hope i hope you got to check that one out <laughs> uh yeah i'm, I'm actually i'm actually I'm wondering if you were gonna it. i mean we, we've kind of set a precedent on the cadaver classics and i thought you were going to be talking about your balls so no, i want to formally I'm... invite you <laughs> You know what? I, I think we're good. All right, maybe. All right, let's. We'll see where this conversation goes. I, I was going to say we we, we want to. If it happens, it needs to happen naturally. Is that what you're saying? That's right. You can't you can't force my balls. That's well, you not can. what I hear. But well, and here we are on that whole CBT thing again. But <laughs> no, I got an email from uh, Johnny from the UK, Taborham, uh-huh. uh-huh. and I would. All right, first off. Another one? Wait, wait, wait. A different yeah, one. Yeah, uh, this is a different one. And Uh-oh. unfortunately, my cat walked on the fucking... My cat likes to sleep... Well, it's not... I can't even believe I'm calling it my fucking cat after all I went through to fucking try and keep this goddamn animal out of my house. <laughs> but now that it's here, you know, it it likes me best because I'm so fucking wonderful and well, warm. I, I can, and, can, you know, I'm just uh, a big marshmallow of fucking love. <laughs> So anyway, but the cat has, has taken up residence on my fucking keyboard and deleted oh. the fucking email. Oh, but, really? So I'm going to have to do this from memory. The, but here's here's the short version of it. Okay. okay. As best as I can, best as I can remember. Is that even a word? A sentence? Best that, uh, as I best I can remember. Said. All right. Fair enough. Okay. All right. There's this big brouhaha over in the UK. About, um, all right, we're always giving them shit over their medical system, and this is going to explain a lot. Okay. Apparently, a few years ago, um, whoever was in charge of, like, you know, the hospital system over there leased out one of the hospitals to make a movie. Okay. Well, it turned, it turned out to be a porno flick. Excellent. Right. So, and apparently, you know, they're just like, oh, it's a bit of a cock up, but, you know. <laughs> Is that, is that the, a real the, the, phrase? The, yeah. Um, uh, ask ask your UK listeners. I didn't just make a that cock up. up? Uh, it's a bit of a cock up. You know, it's right. You know, uh, they they say silly shit over there. Like, oh, uh, oh, you've got yourself a bit of a sticky wicket there. You know. Uh, I have no idea what that is. Apparently, that means uh, you're in a bit of trouble or something has gone wrong. It's a sticky. What is wicket. a wicket? Dude. Should I just not be asking these questions? Should I, and just just a wicked. A wicked is one of those things they try to knock over when they play cricket. When you play cricket, okay. cricket. That yeah, that is why bowler, I do. Not, I believe I do not know what a wicket is. And then a batsman. I guess I'm, I'm thinking that's what they're called. A batsman. And the bowler tries to knock over the wickets, and the batsman tries to knock the ball away before it knocks the wickets over. Wow, you seem to know a lot about uh, cricket. Um, I'm quite the continental uh, 
transcontinental dude, is it, I guess. Exactly. Is cricket the game? It. The game where it's like baseball, except for you just run back and forth, and the pitcher has like uh, hockey uh, goal. It's more like a croquet ball or something. Yeah, it's like a hard ball. Well, no wonder they're having a lot of cock-ups. They're throwing (laughs) balls at each other. Yeah, really. Hard croquet balls. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't understand the game, but I have read, you know, a lot of Douglas Adams and watched a lot of Doctor Who. So, which came in handy for tonight's thing. But anyway, getting, I don't worry. Sorry. Uh, see, Sorry. I almost, almost jumped to a segue prematurely. Oh, Ooh. Okay. Here, but anyway, you know, I'm thinking though. All right. So they, they rented the, the hospital out uh-huh. for a porn movie. Excellent. All right. Which, which is fucking great. You know, that's awesome. Oh. But it, I think it says a lot about the English healthcare system. You know, we've been giving them a lot of shit. Maybe uh-huh. those weren't doctors making these diagnoses, like uh, you know, a semi coma. They were actually <laughs> with porn t- delirium st- tendencies. Yes, the you never know if you go to a doctor when you go to a doctor in England whether or not you are going to get a doctor. Or somebody is going to take your temperature with their schlong. So, somebody that wandered off the set and yeah, needs you to never play doctor. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. You know what? I and dare say. Thing... No, go ahead. What 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 movie was that when he came over? Was that when the, the doctor came over and said the delirium thing? What I can't even remember. Night what of the movie Demon, that's wasn't from. it? What's that? It was Night of the Demon, wasn't it? Night of the... Yeah, you're right. Maybe that guy was a um, house-calling porno guy. And so he comes out dropping all those, that, that stupid... He did kind of have a, a, a kind of a, Oh, God, what's his name? Ron Jeremy. He did kind of resemble, like, he might be like Ron Jeremy's dad or something. He did kind of look hedgehoggish. Yeah, hedgehoggish. Oh, but but here's what here's what I'm thinking though. All right, okay. in England, they're subsidizing their healthcare system by hiring their you know, renting their hospitals out to porn stars. Sure. I think Obama we might want to call him and say, "Look, we've found the cure for the healthcare crisis." Porn. Porn. <laughs> I cuz I know I know if That's like, a great idea. <laughs> Because I know if, like, Julie Strain was, like, my nurse, I would fucking be willing to pay whatever deductible. Is is Julie Strain that – is she back she's from – she, she was the one in the, the 80s who did um, all, like, the USA Up All Night movies? No, that was uh, – God, what was her name? The Red Julie Head? Brown. What was it? Julie Brown. I think. Yeah, there were two no. Julie Browns. There was downtown Julie Brown, who was the black chick who oh, and that's was English. Was and then there was the redhead Julie Brown, who was <laughs> freaking gorgeous. Yeah, I don't know who Julie Strange she was, is. She, Julie Strange, she's married to one of the creators of the Teenage Ninja Turtles. She's the big Amazon chick. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let, let's, with uh, black let's hair. Real quick. If, if you saw Heavy Metal 2000. What the uh, crap? Oh, yeah. You got to see her, her animated. I think she did sex court on Playboy TV, and she, was, I think, I think she did a lot of vivid videos. All I'm saying is, um, oh my gosh, shoo, 
She was in a trauma movie, apparently, where... Sorry, doing a little bit of research on the... Oh, my freaking hell. Julie Strain from Tales from the Crapper. <laughs> that's that, that's a whole other issue. I mean, that's... The, like... the, pro- the problem with this picture is, is that it looks like... I'm not, it's so disgusting. I'm looking at a picture right now where she's She's bleeding. not taking a shit, is she? No, she's not taking a shit, but she's she's bleeding, and the, the the a large amount seems to be coming from a place where he is extra disgusting for a woman to be bleeding from, and it looks like she's wiped it up her nipples and around. What's that? Her nipples? No, no, no. It's Are it you starts about... in the it starts in the nether regions. Dude, they <laughs> do it like every month. So what's your point? Does that make it okay? No. Dude. <laughs> well, now I know who that is. I always learn something every every week here on the the Cadaver Classics. I learned it's, that I don't like Julie Strain because I want the picture. Yeah, that one, if I'm sure I probably don't need to see that picture. It'll ruin my fucking vision. Tales of her. from the Crapper, man. I got to go check that out right away. Or straight away. Yeah, is that, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to see if that's on Netflix streaming because... That should be our next classic movie to fucking do. <laughs> that that will be if if Tales from the Crappers on. <laughs> is it? Netflix I, wonder, I wonder what the odds are. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Tales from the Crapper. <laughs> uh, you got a synopsis there in front of you because I've just got to know. Tales from the Crapper? No, yes. I don't. Let's see. Let, let me. <laughs> I just went to Google Images and uh, oh. saw that one. So, but here, real quick. All right, Tales from the Crapper. <laughs> No way. We could have done it for this episode because it is a, let's see, it is a anthology of horror stories from Troma Entertainment. Seriously, no I've never even heard of that one. Yeah. Let's see. James Gunn's in it. Oh, well, he's let's cool. See. I like yeah. him. Fucking Slither's like, one of my all-time oh, dude, favorite. You know, you, one of your favorite people's in it too is uh, Eli Roth. He's in it. Oh God! Oh, I hate that son of a bitch. I don't care if he's the bear Jew. Let's see. Yep, Julie Strain right there. <laughs> uh, Julie Strain actually was in a TV show called The Lusty Busty Barbecue. Really? That's excellent. That is awesome. Oh, that is awesome. I'm sure that's on Netflix. Yeah, somehow I doubt not so much. <laughs> but no, speaking of anthologies... Oh, wow! Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Not only speaking of anthologies, but speaking of uh, English anthologies. We're going to yes. be talking about... Should we do the whole rest of the show with an accent? <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to attempt it because I might, I, I, I just don't know. I'll be a lot like Keanu Reeves attempting to do it, and I'd forget that I'm trying to do it halfway through a movie. I mean, talking about a movie. Okay, you be, case, Keanu, so. you be Keanu Reeves, and I'll be um, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that will just be terrible. Hey, uh, won't it, ta- Dave? <laughs> you what? That would be a bit of a cock-up, wouldn't it? Well, I don't want to be involved in a cock-up of any kind. <laughs> no, that's no, not what you said last night. Later. Oh, snap! 
We're going to be talking about Vault of Horror from 1973. Um, this was an amicus release. You know what I think is funny? Now, now I didn't really intend to talk about this at all, because I... I uh, but uh, I guess Amicus and Horror, uh, sorry, Hammer, were both British companies putting out movies around the same time. They they seem to just kind of be competing for the same, putting out the same kind of movies. Am I off base? Yeah, the, the same kind of movies. Uh, you've got uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee bouncing back and forth between the two companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the director of this movie, uh, Roy Ward Baker, uh, would bounce fa- back and forth. He'd do this movie for Amicus. He did... Uh, was it Dracula in the Stars Seven? Stars of Dracula, uh, the Vampire Dr. Lovers. Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde, the Vampire Lovers. Yep. Uh, one of the best hor- uh, Hammer movies of all time, uh, Quatermass in the Pit, was yep. uh, Roy Ward Baker. And I thought Quatermass also- in the Pit was a BBC production. Um, no? Well, the, uh, the TV show was BBC, and then okay. Hammer had the rights to do the movie versions. Aha, uh-huh, okay. So uh, that's how that worked out. And Roy Ward Baker, you know, did the best of that series. I think that was, what, 67? Oh, man. Um, And before that, Roy Ward Baker had another movie I think is important to mention. It's not horror, but he did A Night to Remember, which I believe was 48. And it was Why is it important uh, to mention? uh, It's the story of the sinking of the Titanic. And James Cameron ripped off a lots of chunks from this movie to do his shitty ass four hour. Fucking James movie. Cameron can lick my balls. Uh, he, well, you know, he still did fucking Terminator. So you got, I know that. he did, but you know what? Titanic and then avatar. He crossed me two times. Like that. I can't even ever look at him the same way. Yeah. Well, what you gotta do, but, uh, exactly. yeah, Tit- Titanic to me was, you know, this, if you want to see the tit- sinking of the Titanic, check out this movie. Uh, there's one scene in this movie uh, that is absolutely heart wrenching towards the end, really? uh, involving a uh, little boy who's lost his uh, mother, and this old man just kind of like says, "You know, we'll just wait here. Uh, she'll come along." And meanwhile, you know, they both he knows that they're the fucking boat's going down and they're going to die. It was, I mean, it was. Oh, it was fucking just See, heartbreaking. I can never watch scene. that now. Oh man, it's it's, like it's an amazing baby. movie. Do what? <laughs> a blubber like a little baby. Oh man, I I nearly did. It was very fucking depressing. But it was it was a it was a first off, it's streamlined. You don't have the fucking bullshit with fucking you know Jack and Diane or whatever the fuck was going on. Yeah, but there's no Leo. Yeah, but I mean the. Night to remember if you're into fucking classic movies or you're interested in seeing it where uh, Titanic, I guess, was basically a remake of. Yeah, it's a fucking good movie to check out. Cool. So, uh, but yeah, Roy Ward Baker, fucking awesome. Well, you know, in the, in I think it's uh, I think it's funny to mention that, uh, I mean, we all know the basis of this movie was uh, it was named after an EC comic uh, yeah, called and Vault this- of Horror. Yeah, and the stories were actually taken from the comic book issues. You know what? You know what's ironic about that is um, most of the ones in, in, in actually none of the of the little vignettes shown in the Vault of Horror actually came from the Vault of Horror comic book. Uh, right. They all they came, came from, from Tales from the Crypt or Shock and Suspense stories. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because Tales from the Crypt, which what came out a year earlier, I think it was. Uh, I think that that was also an amicus. Basically, that had a, that had uh, vignettes from the Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, The Haunt of Fear, and uh, basically they took the same idea and uh, created a different wraparound story. Obviously, they, we don't have the Crypt Keeper um, in, in this film, but it, it's in essence the same setup as uh, Tales from the Crypt. And I actually think I can't remember exactly, but I think Sam and I talked about that on our Tales from the Crypt episode years ago. Since, man, I've been doing Sam this who? so long, I can't even remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forget. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was a framing story. Basically, the, the movie gets right into it. Uh, five strangers are, uh, one by one, getting on a, uh, uh, like, an elevator heading down in this office building uh, in London. Uh, they reach the basement. However, it, it, they're kind of shocked. It goes past, like, the, the main floor, and it goes uh, a floor below it, and it stops there. They all get out. They think it's some kind of a gentleman's club. And uh, the problem is, is they can't get, they, they all walk out and there's no button to get back up. So they all decide, well, I'm going to sit down. And then uh, basically they talk about all, about some of the recurring dreams that they've been having. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they basically each vignette is uh, one of these, you know, one guy telling the story of uh, the dream that he's been having. Anyhow, uh, I mean, let's see, real quick. Uh, do you want to just go over and um, synopsize each one of the each one of the little vignettes here? Sure. Why the hell not? I'll tell you why the hell not? Because I don't want to cock it up. All right. No, not really. I just <laughs> wanted to say that. Um, the first story was called the Midnight Mass, which was actually taken from Tales from the Crypt number thirty-five. Um, a guy named Harold tracks his sister to a strange village and uh, kills her to claim the the inheritance that was going to go to her. Um, after he, he basically goes in after a meal or sorry, after he kills it, he goes into this, uh, this club and, or what do you call it? Just like a restaurant or whatever sits down. I guess I don't really want to, to give it away. I mean, we can kind of dance around the issue here. Um, first off, I mean, it's, it's, it's with these kind of stories, you pretty know, much know what you're going to, you're getting into. If you've seen any of the tales from the crypt episodes or you're familiar with the comic, you know, it's pretty much somebody does something that they shouldn't. And then, you know, they get their comeuppance, which I think is also, no, you've got to say comeuppance because it's much, yes, it's much more pretty. It's funny you say that because each one of these vignettes is very, very British, like very, you know, it's, it's, uh, all these guys, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but all these guys were these, these stuffy old, uh, British or English dudes, right? And, uh, well, um, except for Tom Baker, who's kind of wearing, you know, he's the bohemian artist type who's yeah, wearing yeah. kind of and like the corduroy say, suit. Except for the last one. Yeah. And, um, uh, n- nice little tie in here. Amicus Productions, they did the, uh, Peter Cushing, Doctor Who movies. And, of course, hmm. Tom Baker would go on to play Doctor Who and be regarded amongst a lot of us as the best Doctor Who ever. The second vignette was uh, called The Neat Job. And this one, I mean, it, it was it's kind of a really simple story. There's a guy named uh, uh, Gritchett, who's played by Terry Thomas, uh, who uh, he is like the quintessential British old dude. 
And I, I've seen, this is one of those guys that I've seen in about a hundred things, but I can't tell you, you know, what, what else he's been in. I'm sure that you can though, right? Mm, not really. No, he's just one of those familiar faces that you see pop up all the time, but. <laughs> well, anyways, this one was a great one. I mean, uh, he, apparently he was, the story goes that he married a younger woman, uh, who was played by Glennis Johnson, who was actually, um, the star in, uh, Dr. Caligari. Is that is that right? Was that her? Yeah, she was in uh, Dr. Caligari, uh, played Mrs. Banks in uh, Mary Poppins. That's the yeah, one. man. Well, anyway, basically, he was this, just this old grumpy dude that was so set in his ways and basically drove his wife insane because of um, he was always getting on her case about have, not having the whole house set exactly how he wants it. And uh, there was a moment in this, the, the, the final, I would say, two minutes of this, of this mini story, I was laughing my ass off because, first of all, uh, an expression that the wife gives, and then uh, then what ha- then the actual fate of uh, of uh, Gritchet. Mm-hmm. So I I really liked that one. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was it was a cute little story. I mean, not not a whole lot of meat to it. You know where it's no not you can kind of figure out where it's heading. But she's just oh, yeah. so personable. Anyway, I mean, you just oh, you know love I her. love her, man. It's it's so funny. She just seemed like the like the nicest lady, and then he was. Such oh a yeah, dick and anyway. then having to deal with an anal retentive asshole. It can't, <laughs> I, it can't, I kind of thought about your household when I saw this one. What? <laughs> what? You gotta be kidding me, man! It, <laughs> how you know how it works around here? Do you want to know how it really works around here? Oh, please the, do tell. The natives which is uh, basically what I call my kids, mm-hmm. they run rampant in the house. They run up and down the stairs and all around, and, and you know, a giant, it's like a giant whirlwind, a tornado. And then, uh, then that's fine. And, uh, you know, my wife does what she can to corral the, uh, the, were- uh, the werewolf, the uh, tornado, you know, and, uh, you know, t- take care of some of the damage that happens. But uh, the only case of sanity that I have is uh, my office here? Yeah, which you, is affectionately you, known as the no 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 room. Yeah, exactly. you've got. A, I love that. That's just so darling. Oh, that's that, just that what I'm, so I mean, I'm just a cute guy. Okay. You you are uh, you're. I just oh, I'm just so neat. <laughs> anyway, God. next uh, next vignette. This it's called this trick will kill you. Uh, this was also a pretty good one. Uh, basically, a guy named Sebastian is a magician, and he goes on a vacation with his wife to India where they're trying to find out some new tricks. Uh, basically, he's kind of a douchebag. He's calling out a, a street magician on how you know his trick actually works in front of everybody. But he basically finds... And isn't that um, against the magician's code? Yeah, what an a-hole. That's a, I know, you don't show someone up. Of course you know how it works. You're a magician, you know? Yeah, exactly. I th- I, I would have kicked him in the nuts right then and there, oh, Buddhist man. or not. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was uh, he came ac- across this uh, woman who uh, was had what do you call those? Like I guess not a flute or a recorder or whatever, but basically she was like snake. Char- uh, she had this basket in front of her, and it was as if she was charming a snake, except for it was a rope. Mm-hmm. And basically, the rope would go up. And then she could, she it would actually just hang there suspended, uh, not hanging on off anything, and uh, she could actually get up, and it would hold her weight, and she could climb it. Well, basically, what happens is he persuades this woman to come to his hotel room, 
uh, because he claims that uh, his wife wants to see it, but she's sick. So he, you know, come to my hotel room. I'll give you two hundred rupees, and basically, um, you know, does some bad stuff. But but uh, now now on this one, there was a scene that actually kind of got me a little bit. Now I don't know if I was just in the right mood or whatever, but uh, and this is a little bit of a spoiler. There there's a, a time when the wife. Is, and, and the husband are actually trying out this trick. The husband makes the rope go up. He plays the flute. And the wife um, climbs up the rope. And then all of a sudden we get a change of camera angle and a blue tint to the, screen, uh, to the, to the, um, uh, to the camera. And all of a sudden the woman looks up and just starts screaming. And I don't know. For some reason that kind of caught me off guard. What are you thinking? My big wuss? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, man. I, kinda, I was just like, whoa. I yeah, I mean, this, I, thought this was, was, I thought it was great. It was fun. I mean, yeah, this this is one where, all right, you know that something's going to go bad is going to happen to him, and you know it's of going course. to involve the rope, but mm-hmm. you don't know exactly what. And uh, it, yeah, so there's there's a different fate for each of the characters in this, the wife and the husband. Yep. So so yeah, you get w- that one kind of like, oh shit, where does the you know. And it, it, it kind of leaves you guessing, you know, where the fuck did that rope go to? Exactly. Yeah, where was the end? Where did she climb up into? And they so, just leave that a complete mystery. Yeah, which I yeah, which I thought just, was awesome. Yeah, because I mean, with this kind of budget, you know, you're not going to be able to show, you know, fuck. I mean, if it was today, it'd be all CG, fucking right. monsters and shit. But but no, it leaves it to your imagination, which is kind of cool. Well, and I and that actually kind of caught me a little bit off guard, and I really liked it. Um, the next one uh, was called "Bargain of Death," came from the Tales of Crypt number twenty-eight. Uh, a guy named Maitland is is buried alive. At, he's basically trying to commit an insurance fraud with his friend, and so he takes. You know, I mean, this has been this has been done a bunch of times. He basically takes a drug that uh, slows down all his vitals, so people think he's dead, and he gets buried, and then. Um, you know, a bunch of fun crap happens when it actually came time to unbury him or whatever. But let me ask you something about this. And this is actually, I started thinking about this, is um, when I was, wa- I, I actually had the chance to watch City of the Living Dead last week. Don't these people ever believe in embalming? I mean, isn't that like a no, really that's, stupid that's, idea? Yeah, that's that's part of the equation. I guess you can always say you're like, I don't know what whether you Mormons embalm. But I guess you could always say that, like, it's against your religion to be embalmed. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there is a religion that's against embalming. So basically, I'll tell you what religion it you is. Check it's, the, the, it's the insurance fraud religion. Quite possibly. That is Mormons, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> no, the Moonies. But I mean, this this one I didn't really enjoy as much as some of the other ones. But oh, really? Uh, now, now see, I thought I, I thought the ending of this was kind of fun because you got this kind of like series of events that take place. Because well, I did like, like the two the two students. There were two medical students who were, actually happened to be looking for a you know a, a body that they could uh, their own cadaver to 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 learn with. And right, so, and I, I, I figured he would end up on the autopsy table. 
uh-huh. and that's how he'd wake up. I thought that's how that was, this was going to play out. Yeah. Instead, yeah, I, a completely different series of events takes place, and you know, so I wasn't you know wasn't expecting it to play out the way it did. Right. And so it was a nice little surprise because I, you know, I was thinking one thing and, you know, something completely different happened. So, you know, that's always nice. Of course. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's see. And finally we have drawn and quartered, which was tales from the crypt. Number 26. Um, a guy named Moore is an impoverished painter living in Haiti. Basically he learns that he was cheated by, uh, some of the folks in the, uh, the art establishment, for instance, a dealer, and someone who gave it a, a bogus review just to, to prop up the price, things like that. And he kind of was cut out of all the, of all the, um, the profit and whatever. Um, he basically goes to a voodoo priest and uh, telling him that he wants to get revenge on these, ki- the, these people. And um, all, basically all he had to do was uh, whatever he drew. Or, or painted or whatever, he did some damage to the actual painting, and that happened to them in their real life. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't this remind you a little bit of? Uh, oh gosh, dang! I just forgot. I just forgot the um, uh, the guy's name because he basically made a self portrait before he he went and made. Are you this thinking Dorian Gray? Yes, I am. Okay. I, it kind of had that uh, a little bit of that vibe to me, but uh, I thought this was a really interesting one. Yeah, I thought this was good. Um, of course, Tom Tom Baker. I just fucking just the sound of his voice is fucking awesome. And you had oh, uh, yeah. Denholm Din, Elliott in this segment, who uh, was a staple of British TV and cinema, but is most famous uh, for being in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. And he yeah he was also in uh, To the Devil a Daughter. Yeah, yeah, that was another one of his. I just, that's, the fact, that's what I, I forgot he was in, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's cool. Oh, what was his name in that? Nah, forget it, whatever. Uh, he was, uh, Brody. <laughs> Bro- yep. Marcus Brody. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's probably, if you're an American, where you know him from. And if you're from Britain, then you've probably seen him in about a billion things. Right. So... Well, you know, and that was the last vignette. Basically, the um, the after that, there was the end of the framing story, which I kind of thought was lame. But I don't know if that yeah, took away I mean, from uh, the rest of the of the vignettes because I I really I mean if you if you like the I, I, now now correct me if I'm wrong or, or, or help me out here. Basically, if you if you can watch the Hammer Horror, I see this as a little bit different because Hammer I think does a really good job. Uh, especially when they set things in the past when they do period pieces because they have such you know lush environments things like that but every once in a while you'll have a you'll have a um you know a hammer film that will uh, you know be set in in contemporary times which back obviously was the 70s like Dracula 1972 Dracula 73 or yeah or whatever yeah yeah where and <laughs> if you if you can get into that i i think that you can get into this i mean i it is a little bit dry and it's not as action packed as uh you know, is maybe some other films you get used to, and it's well, and it's uh, definitely not as like as exciting and in uh, is is some of the, like the HBO you know TV series or anything like that. But I really enjoyed this movie. Well, the thing is, I mean, they don't give you time to get bored with this. I mean, you're literally into the first story right. within two minutes, 
And the longest one is the last segment, and it's only like 15 minutes. I mean, they get in, set the story up, give you know, deliver what it's got to deliver, and then get on to the next one. So you really don't even have time to get bored before you, you know, jump into the next one. Not that, I mean, and that's just a matter of taste of, you know, whether or not, you know, some people do find Hammer movies fucking boring. Exactly. Um, You know, I don't think that's the case here. Yeah, it's it's very British. Um, But for the most part, you know, it's it's in, does its thing, gets out, you're on to the next one. Uh, the whole movie, the runtime is like 80 minutes. So you're, you're talking five, little five, 10 minute stories and every one of them is, you know, pretty effective. It, it, you know, you, you know what to expect with this. If you're, you've seen any tales from the crypt, right. which m- most people have, I would presume. You know, one thing I like about, um, and, and this may apply to a lot of anthology movies, but especially um, like the like uh, Tales from the Crypt, like the ones in EC. It, I mean, even even the or, sorry, not EC, the ones on HBO. Um, basically, if you were to watch a few in a row, the tones from one to the next aren't the same. And so it's like, you know, you may have a fun one, then you have a dark one. For instance... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, you had this uh, kind of like Mr. rotating or, or whatever that was called it was really light and it was kind of the neat job was really funny. And uh, I thought that the, the final one, the drawn and quartered had a really dark tone to it, you know. Oh, and, yeah, it was very uh, creepy. So, I mean, you're, you're taken from one to the other to the other, you know, and you get and you have enough time to, to get to know the characters to get into the to the the story. And, uh, I mean, we had four different, I mean, you know, maybe not totally different tones, uh, but, but maybe, maybe that's just an attribute of, a, of an anthology. But, uh, you know, I, I felt the same way about uh, Tales from the Crypt, which came out, um, you know, a year earlier than this one. So, you know, I think, I think Amicus did a great job with both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I really like both of these movies. You don't have anything in this movie quite as strong as The Killer Santa Claus. Well, but... yeah, that one's iconic. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as you know, as far as as far as it goes, I mean, this is this they did a great job with it. Absolutely. And you know, and I the, was and actually pretty stoked to find this little gem. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know that it was out there until I started doing some research for the anthology. But uh, yeah, it's right oh, really? along the same lines. Yeah. Yeah. There was. I think it's been a while now that they put out a Tales from the Crypt uh, Vault of Horror double feature. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I had that on like VHS like years and years ago. Oh really? Yeah. So I missed and, that on both of them until the show. Until I started doing the show, actually. Yeah, which and kind of bums me out. Yeah, and I actually well, the reason I hunted it down was because of Tom Baker. I was like, okay, I want to see what else he's done. And uh-huh. then it was like, okay, you know, Tales from the Crypt with Joan Collins and shit. wow, look at the fucking cast on these fucking movies. Right. It was like, hell yeah, you know, we'll check it out. And, you know, very, very happy I did. I still I still have to say my favorite guy was that, uh, was, uh, what's his name, uh, Terry Thomas in the, the Neat Job. That guy just, that guy just made me want to, like, hammer him in the head or something. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, also one last one last note on the movie. Basically, as with most cadaver classics, there were a couple of different uh, uh, cuts of this movie. I know I had the uh, 
the American cut because as I was reading the differences in cuts, it seems like the one that was uh, released in the UK was a little was a little bloodier, um, you know, and showed a little bit more of uh, of uh, the gore, especially towards the end of uh, you know different accidents or kills. But I mean, I still I saw the the maybe the tone down a little bit, and I still thought it was great. Yeah, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not familiar with uh, you know any differences in the cuts. Yeah, so I'm not even well, that's sure okay, which one because I, I took. I'm two minutes ahead of you reading the uh, last couple paragraphs on the wiki page. No, I'm not. <laughs> you still do that? Yes. Oh my god, dude! They, uh, here's here's something. I know this is kind of archaic. They have like books and stuff about like movies. They come on like yeah, but they dude. come in they come in like paper and stuff, and they actually like talk to people and it's not just Dude, some like 13 year old kid fucking sitting you, you gotta there, realize M&Ms something, man. And drinking dr pepper and <laughs> fucking making oh yeah dude i don't have time to read anything except for planet x nibiru uh apocalypse uh predictions okay that's all i do that's all i read uh well you know i, I think if you've got time to fucking watch these movies at work <laughs> hey Come on, I, I watch them on the computer. It's a little obvious if I'm reading a book. <laughs> Just kidding. You, they have these new things called ebooks where they'll show you the fucking book on your computer. What? Fucking awesome. What does E stand for? Uh, I think uh, easy to get away with at work. <laughs> at work. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. So it sounds like uh, that's uh, kind of a recommend from both of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a, yeah, these are I will just, admit, though, that I love Hammer and I love Amicus, uh, you know, especially the ones that came out in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I love the I love the Hammer movies, especially when you got fucking Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing involved. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, they're just, I mean, just watching those two is amazing. Yep. Um, Amicus, you know, they've, they've got some good stuff out there. Uh, the thing, I don't know, like, like you said, with the hammer, you know, you, the period pieces are much better than when they tried to do like modern day. And I don't, I, I mean, is it better or is it just different? I mean, just it just you don't well, I have think, that I think by the, awesome well, sets. Those awesome sets. Yeah, well, and it, but and that's the thing. By the by the time they realized, okay, it would be cheaper to fucking you know do right uh these movies if we set them in present day rather than you know going and renting some you know castle and shit but then most of the characters like dracula had fucking where the fuck else were they going to go with him by the time right. they you know done five dracula movies so you know and then they made him like a james bond villain and it's like what the fuck but you know some of these amicus movies the deadly bees i mean that's a fucking great one uh the house that dripped blood oh yeah um Fuck, what was the one? Oh, The Land That Time Forgot was Amicus. Oh, I don't know if I've we, seen that. Yeah, it was a fucking uh, great goddamn movie. And uh, there's one, there's another one I'm trying to think of. Fuck, I can't remember what it is. There's another one in the 60s that I really liked. But Deadly Bees is fucking hilarious. I think they even did that one <laughs> on Mystery Science Theater. And Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Kick ass, man. 
So glad you, you uh, glad you enjoyed the movie. Glad I didn't pick up. We almost what was the other one? We almost did Black Sabbath. I still need to check that one out. Yeah, there's Black Sabbath, and um, if you're into anthologies, uh, Dead of Night is one that's a must see. Hmm. I haven't seen that one either. You haven't seen that. Got a one? lot of work to do. Yeah, you need to give it. <laughs> yeah, especially if you like killer dummies. I do love them. Don't we all? <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my friend.
Um, so I'm guessing all three of the stories in there are based on uh, stories by Robert Block, who you probably know as the writer of the original Psycho novel. Um, a doctor goes into a new job at a mental hospital, and he's shown a series of patients, and his first test is to see which patient was a former doctor. Like I said, I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I remember it being pretty good. Uh, like I said, I was a kid. There was a doc. One of the uh, one of the patients is a man who murders his wife and chops her up and wraps her up in freezer paper. And later on in the story, like the, the pieces are coming back, like moving throughout the house. And like at one point, you see the head wrapped up, and you can see the paper move as it breathes. It was pretty freaky for the time for for me. I was like at like seven or six or whenever it was that I saw it on like chiller theater. So I remember it being pretty good, but unfortunately I haven't seen it for years. Um, another one that I have is a failed TV pilot from probably the late 50s, early 60s called The Devil's Messenger, starring um, Lon Chaney as, or Lon Chaney Jr., I would assume, as, I'm not sure if he's the devil or like the devil's secretary or, or what the deal is, but Apparently, the story starts out with uh, a woman who has committed suicide because of uh, a failed relationship, and she uh, she's given a chance to sort of work her way out of hell. All she has to do is go uh, into people's lives and, and basically cause trouble. And you know, uh, like I said, the first uh, first three stories, you know, are what would have been the pilot for the TV show. I assume I actually have this one on the uh, Tales of Terror. 50 movie pack. It's it's not bad. Of the three that I actually own, it's probably the best. Um, there's another one uh, called a House of the Dead, not to be confused with the uh, U-Bolt movie, although, badly enough, the U-Bolt movie is probably a little more entertaining than this one. Um, it, is, it goes under another name, Alien Dead, which is completely inappropriate since it has nothing to do with aliens at all. Um, this one starts out with... Uh, a man who cheats on his wife somehow gets lost in the middle of the night on the way home and ends up in a funeral home and the proprietor, who is probably diabolical from what we're getting at here, shows him uh, three corpses and tells him their story, kind of like Tales from the Hood, sort of. And uh, I don't remember that many of the stories. Really, I know one of them is about a kid whose students are, like, demonic or something like that. And there's another one it's not really much of a plot, but it's a, a guy as a serial killer, and he takes pictures of his murders. And I, have, I totally forget what the last story was, but like I said, it's not that great. But now on to the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight. And I, usually when I deliver these little crappy reviews that I talk about, I'll say, well, the movie's not that great sometimes, but you know, you might like it. The movie I'm talking about tonight is a little gem called Night Train to Terror. And I'm going to just tell you flat out, this is a giant, cheesy piece of crap. And not cheesy piece of crap in a good way, but just a piece of crap. I mean, there are things to laugh at here, but, I mean, if you're really going for punishment, check it out. If not, stay away. I figured I would talk about that one only only because it's because of its awfulness, the most interesting one, probably. 
um, the movie starts out, and you think it's going to be not too bad. Actually, when you see the poster, the poster is, is a picture of a bloody butcher knife with a train in the background. And when I was looking through, I got this on the uh, drive-in classic 50 movie pack. When I was looking through the, the Mill Creek website, you know, sometimes I'll have the poster and, like, the contents page for their for their things. And I saw that, and I'm like, oh, this looks pretty good. You know, I thought it might be a slasher or whatever, but I'll read the description and found out it was an anthology. And I still thought, oh, okay. And I saw it, uh, Philip Yardan, who you remember probably from a lot of things, but uh, some of the night soccer stuff, I think. But he was also, I believe, something to do with the uh, They Came From Beyond Space, which is which we talked about here a few episodes back. So I thought, well, it can't be too bad. However, I was wrong. Anyway, it starts out, and you see, like, a foggy night with a train speeding through it, so you think, okay. Well, aboard this train, there is a, and I use this term loosely, rock band, who are doing dancing and singing their signature number called Dance With Me. And I I sent Mike a clip. I'm not sure if you could get it in here because it was a video, but if you can, just insert that somewhere here. Um, it's like the cheesiest, crappiest 80s thing I've ever seen. And unfortunately, not being able to see the video, you probably don't get the full effect. So if you uh, are at work and have nothing better to do, go to YouTube and just look up Night Train of Terror, and you'll see it'll be one of the clips that come up. itself are put together from 
uh, either partial movies that these people have done but didn't finish, which is the case of the first one, or truncated versions of existing movies. So what this makes for is when you take a tw- like an hour and a half movie and and cut it down to like 20 minutes for a segment, it jumps around a lot and it's really confusing. And like they try to like clarify things on at least the case of the first two movies with a narrator, or first two segments with a narrator, but it doesn't really work. It just it's a mess. The first one is about a man who accidentally kills his wife on their wedding night and uh, winds up in a mental hospital. Now, in this mental hospital, uh, there are some sadistic doctors, and there is, an, well, I guess, an orderly, played by uh, Richard Mall, who you'll remember probably from, of course, Night Court. And he is a, uh, like I said, he's sadistic. He enjoys raping the, uh, the female inmates, uh, much like... Buck from Kill Bill, and although it seems like this guy is motivated more by uh, pleasure than business, uh, he's not charging for it, he's just doing it. And um, things happen eventually. Uh, they hypnotize with drugs this man who gets admitted to the hospital to help them kidnap other victims, and eventually he wises up or comes to or something. Like I said, it's, it's very disjointed. It jumps around. And he escapes, and uh, there's a bloody showdown at the end. And this is uh, from an unfinished movie. It looks like, you know, it could have been some cheesy kind of fun had they finished it and showed us the whole thing. I mean, there's some gratuitous nudity. There's there's Richard Mull gets decapitated. Um, there's some lobotomy action going on. So like it could have been, you know, kind of fun had it been the whole movie, but unfortunately now it's just kind of confusing and sort of a mess. The second story is a short version of a movie called The Death Wish Club. And basically this woman goes to Hollywood and gets wrong, involved with the wrong people and gets uh, into a, a club with the aforementioned uh, Death Wish Club. And what they do is they just basically play elaborate versions of Russian roulette. Like at one point there, there are like five people sitting in a room with six chairs and all the chairs are, are basically electric chairs. And like every so often they send the current through randomly. It's, it's done by some cheesy ass looking machine. It looks like it's from like a science fiction movie from like 10 years, 20 years before. And, um, they will send alternate, like there'll be like a mild current, a painful current, and a fatal current. And of course, there's a chance that nobody will die because of the empty chair that that's not occupied. So they do that. And then there's one with a bug. They release this deadly, supposedly deadly bug whose sting is um, whose sting is uh, like instantly fatal. So they release this bug, and it's like the god awfulest looking clay animation, claymation, or, you know, I guess, claymation thing, and it just flies around, and and uh, <laughs> it doesn't sting anyone. It just flies out the window, and somebody in the park or out the, you know, outside somewhere are, is like making out, and it's like they get stung, and like, I think their head explodes. I can't remember, but it's just the lamest like little clay claymation thing. So, like I said, I don't know what the rest of the movie was like. There's like a scene where someone. It's crushed with a wrecking ball or something. It, it's 
I've not seen the full movie, so I can't say whether it's really any good. It looks like it might be, but once again, probably not. This one would probably be less likely to be any good than the first one. And like I said, without seeing the whole thing, it's hard to tell. This one also is trying to be held together with a narrator. It just doesn't work. It just seems... I mean, it's obviously like missing whole sections of plot, and they just try to wrap it up, but it's not that great. The third one is... uh, is a truncated version of a movie called The Nightmare Never Ends, or also it was released on video as uh, Catechism. And I actually do have that one on the Tales of Terror, I believe. Either Tales of Terror, or no, I think it's Nightmare or Nightmare Worlds. And it's actually not too bad of a movie. Um, it's actually not too bad of a movie. It's, I mean, it's not great. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but... I mean, it does have Cameron Mitchell in it, so how bad can it be, right? Um, that was sarcasm, by the way, in case you missed it. Um, this one is about a devoutly Catholic woman who is married to a professor and an author who has written, just written a book called God is Dead. He's dead, like basically played once again by Richard Mull, by the way, you know, in a Shatner wig. Um, and he basically has... He's going around you know, disproving the existence of God. This, this of course, upsets his wife, and it also upsets a monk. Kind of reminds me, although not nearly as well, as, like, the, the priest is going around trying to kill the, the little child in the original Holman movie, but, like I said, done, not done nearly as well as it is in the Holman. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Cameron Mitchell is a detective who, just by various circumstances, and I won't get into it, but someone spots. He gives them the trail of this uh, this weird kind of uh, a German guy, and it turns out, not a weird German guy from Monster Squad, but just a weird German guy. Um, he who seems to be, who seems like he looks just like a Nazi, without, but he hasn't, well, like a Nazi that uh, committed several war crimes, but he hasn't aged and we find out later that he has hooves, and he can become a giant claymation golem at will. So that's that's a bonus power that you want to have, if, if uh, to be immortal and have hooves and be a demon and be able to turn into a giant claymation golem. Like I said, this one, I don't know if it's better than the full movie or not. The full movie kind of drags. There's lots of stretches where nothing happens. This one is just as disjointed as the other one. Uh, but I have had the the uh, benefit of seeing the other movie, so I kind of mentally fill in the missing parts. So it's hard for me to tell, you know, if it's better or not. Um, I would say if you ever have the misfortune to watch this movie, and it looks interesting, you know, look up Nightmare, The Nightmare Never Ends. And uh, between these three stories, God and the Satan are having God and Satan are having their philosophical discussions, and one of the funniest ones is Satan is trying to convince him to give him the souls of the rock band, and God is saying, no, you know, they love me. And Satan, Satan says, well, they never pray. And and God said, well, you've never heard their music then. And he goes into this long dissertation, well, not long, but this dissertation about how they express themselves through their music and how that's their prayer and all that stuff. And then it cuts back to the rock band, and they're going back into the same 80s, cheesy, crappy, slow-motion breakdancing song. 
So like, I mean, it would have been great if they went into like some monumental musical thing, but it's just, you know, this is their prayer. All of a sudden, it's back to dance with me, dance with me. You just, you just like I said, you just have to go to YouTube and check it out. So, uh, not recommended this week's. Uh, it came from the public domain feature. Uh, it's not terrible. I mean, it's not. Oh, it's not Manos the Hands of Fate terrible, but it it's just kind of a waste of time. I mean, if you want to see it, I mean, I see it if nothing else for the dance number. And you can probably find it, like I said, I found it in the Driving Classics 50 movie pack. Um, if you, I wouldn't buy it just for that, but there's lots of other good things in there too. So if you're going to get it, you know, go for that. It's only 15 bucks or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's on Archive Org or not. Probably. I'm not sure. I do, however, know that the, uh, like I said, the uh, the music video clip is on YouTube, and that's really the best part of the movie. And, I mean, that's like the funniest thing I've seen in a while. So, if you want to check it out, check it out. If you do, don't blame me. And we'll be back next week with something else, I hope. Or not next week, whenever we do this again. I forget what the next topic is, but we'll find out then. And I'll talk to you all later. Sad man
All right, and we're back. And uh, today we're going to be talking about some anthology flicks, man. Anthology flicks are kind of a mixed bag for me. How, how do you feel about them in general? I would say anything from Amicus back in the 70s and somewhat like a lot of the stuff in the 80s from, you know, till, you know, you had a lot of the stuff like um, Tales from the Dark Side and, a lot, and Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I really like most of them. Recent anthologies, I haven't been really that impressed. Um, I think Trick or Treat's the best thing to happen to anthologies in a long time. You know, and I think anthology, or sorry, Trick or Treat is one of the, um, you know, one that definitely stands out. You know, I, I have, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about anthologies. Um, I mean, it has pros and cons. I, I think, uh, uh, especially with like the, the, the varied tones uh, in one movie. You know, like it, it can be a good, you know, because it can go from really dark to humorous, which you know the, both these movies did. You know, um, if you don't, if you don't like a, uh, one of the vignettes, then you can wait twenty minutes. But I mean, on the flip side. You know, it's uh, if if you really like a vignette, it's over in twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I kind of found myself uh, getting really into some of the of the of the stories and just not others. And it was kind of I don't know. It, it was just kind of difficult for me to it, for it to keep my attention when you know one really good one just got over and maybe a not so good one started. Um, and that's what I kind of like about anthologies. I, I find myself watching them probably more than regular horror movies, just because it's a grab bag. You know, you have so many different things there. And and I like that. I like being able to uh, you know have one story that could be like truly suspenseful or scary, and then go to another story where it's it's you know it's like almost whimsical and you know fun. Right. Well, and I I don't know. I just I, by nature of the vignettes of having multiple vignettes, it's like none of the stories can really be as deep or is you know as it, I don't know. I wouldn't say they can't be as meaningful, but they they are usually very simple. You know, and uh, I don't know, and, and I'm sure I'm sure there are exceptions, um, and especially in one like Trick or Treat where they all just come around and they all end up fitting together, which uh, which is kind of a kind of a unique thing from what I've seen. Well, I mean, it, it was like basically Pulp Fiction meets Creep Show. Anyhow, um, the first movie we're going to be talking about today is From a Whisper to a Scream or also known as The Offspring, which came out in 1987. Welcome to Oldfield. Oldfield has a long history of violence and murder. It's as though the very foundation of this place was human suffering. I'm too old for nightmares. One thing I've learned, my dear, is that one is never too old for nightmares. Here in a small American town, the horrors of the past have come alive in the present. From the grave to the swamp. From the carnival. Oh my God, what's happening to me? To the fields. 
from a whisper to a scream. Vincent Price, Susan Terrell, Cameron Mitchell, Rosalind Cash, Clue Gulliger. The eyes of Oldfield are upon them. How do you stay away from him? How do you know that I did? From a whisper to a scream. From a whisper to a scream. Score composed by Jim Manzi. Jim Manzi is the shit. Why? Because he scored Lurking Fear, which is one of my all-time favorite movies from Full Moon Pictures. He also mainly does sequels. Uh, Pumpkin Head 2, Night of the Demons 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, just to name a few. If you think back, this movie came out in 87, though it was filmed in 85 and 86. If you look at what was going on at the time, um, you had movies like From Beyond, Night of the Creeps, Poltergeist 2, uh, Day of the Dead, uh, Silver Bullet had come out, Return of the Living Dead had come out, Toxic Avenger, uh, Friday the 13th Part 6 uh, had come out, House had come out the year before. Um, musically... Uh, actually, just unlike the charts, what you were hearing on the radio at this time, uh, ACDC's Who Made Who had come out, Slayer had just come out with Rain and Blood, uh, Poison was everywhere, Look What the Cat Dragged In had come out, uh, Metallica uh, had put out Master of Puppets, Megadeth had put out Peace Cells, but all over the charts, it was Whitney Houston, Peter Cetera, uh, Pet Shop Boys, Motherfucking Falco, best goddamn song ever. This was uh, really just a saturation of analog synth everywhere in culture, whether it was uh, popular music, horror films, whatever. Um, It's really actually interesting to look at this. You really saw the the analog synth taking over uh, film scores. And it was kind of a uh, a choice out of... um, taste because of what was popular and because other films had done i mean like the first elm street and so that sound you know people were trying to get that sound as well but at the same time it was also a very conscious decision to hire composers at the time that were scoring this way because you didn't have to pay more money you wouldn't have to pay for an orchestrator you wouldn't have to pay for copyists you didn't have to pay for all these musicians to come in and play shit all you had to do was pay the composer to come in write the music play it on his keyboard ta-da you're done um and that's why you started to see composers like jim manzi popping up and this is really representative of his style. In fact, most of his scores sound very similar to each other. It was just, a, I think, an interesting time uh, in music uh, for horror films and for movies as a whole. He actually starts a score out with this uh, really good-sounding kind of kids' music when you see some guy walking down the hall in a towel. I think that's one of the Corys. Is that Haim? Was that? I think that was Haim. But you actually find he doesn't come back and uh, revisit that theme, or in fact, doesn't really revisit many themes, if any at all. His style of scoring is mainly to just set up a a little theme for whatever's going on at the time. If you haven't noticed, that's actually fairly common with a lot of horror films. Uh, What's interesting about this, though, this movie, is that it looks and sounds 
like it's much older than it really is. When you compare this to the Twilight Zone movie, which doesn't seem near as old as this, this movie's way outdated in its sound and its feel and everything. Not that it's a bad movie, it's still, you know, there's still some fun to be had in there. The alternative to that, though, was Richard Ban. This was also the same time you started to see the rise of really a lot of these gothic movies. Um, you know, with full moon pictures and all that, but you were really starting to see this kind of rise in, in this gothic element in pictures. And Richard Band was really a big part of that. You know, you had uh, Manfredini, uh, Richard Band, and um, Badalamente doing these scores that were much more, they were orchestrated, uh, even if they were synthetic or not, but they were they were orchestrated, and they were really laid out like a real orchestra. But this is the alternative to that. This is kind of um, the score where it's just very basic. It's a very streamlined, small, just synth chords. It's almost like, you know, the darker version of Vangelis. Overall, this is a completely um, disposable score. Being that it's an anthology and you have these different stories... Um, you'll actually notice he really doesn't change much between all of them. He kind of holds the same thing through through all of it. Just these kind of swells, these kind of chords, and there's just nothing too amazing. The one stellar thing that stands out is that opening sequence when you have like the heartbeat, the big chords, and then it goes into that kind of cool child music thing. But other than that, it really goes nowhere and does nothing. All right, like uh, like you said, it came out in 1987. The budget was 1.1 million. Uh, the gross was 1.35 uh, million domestically here in the U.S. Uh, it was directed by Jeff Burr, who um, also is known for Night of the Scarecrow uh, from 1995, Puppet Master 5, and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, it was written by uh, quite a few different people. Uh, C. Courtney Joyner, Mike Malone, Darren Scott, Jeff Burr. The IMDb gave this a 5.6. Now, the I, I guess it's common with a lot of anthology movies. You have kind of the wraparound story. Not to be confused with a reach-around story. <laughs> That's a totally different thing. Different movie. <laughs> well, different set of movies that uh, I'm going to watch later tonight. But anyway, um, this one I've really liked the the idea of, of the wraparound movie. Basically, uh, the movie starts out where um, we see a woman getting the the she's basically being killed capital punishment. She's getting killed by lethal injection. Um, and let's just look past the fact that um, the way they did it was completely. Uh, not fact based, but uh, who know who who knows about that kind of shit, right? We, they should be able to get away with that. But anyway, there was a reporter at the uh, execution who goes back to to speak, and it was a woman who was being killed. Goes back, go back and speak to her uncle, who was played by Vincent Price. Uh, who, by the way, I I swear I don't I don't know of anything that he's in where he's not awesome. Oh, he's just the best. You know, in, in well, even in this, he had he had a relatively small role, and he actually ended up uh, saying that he didn't end up liking this movie at all. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, basically, this reporter comes back to him and talks to him and says, "Well, you know, what? Why do you think that your niece ended up the way she she ended up? Why do you think she was, uh, you know, a serial killer, um, or whatever she ended up being?" And he goes, he just starts talking about it and says, you know what, it's not about her. You know, it's about the, this town that we live in called Oldfield. 
and uh, it's, the people aren't evil. It's what this place does to them, you know. And I don't, I don't know if he, if he really talked necessarily about a curse or whatever, but he just says there's something about this town that um, uh, that, that makes people bad. And the the stories that were told in here were all about uh, members of uh, that community of Oldfield. And uh, I don't know. This, this was a. Before I start, I just want to say this was one of those movies where it kind of the it started off really strong in my opinion. The first vignette was creepy and whatever in my opinion, and you know it didn't really end up finishing as strong and and uh, I I don't know I found myself kind of being bored in some of the other ones, but this first one was really good. Uh, it started it started uh, Clue Gulager. How do you say his name? I always say it it's Gulager. Gulager. Um, and uh, basically he played this nerdy albino dude that screams like a woman. And uh, nothing... You talking about during the dream or when he wakes up from the dream? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was awesome, well, dude. Dude, he sat and screamed like a woman for so long. And you know, and the funny thing is, is he did it two times because, I mean, I, I'm not spoiling anything saying there was, he had a double dream. But uh, basically he has this dream about this coworker that he works with, and she's gorgeous. She's, you know, probably 20 years younger than he is. But, uh, you know, and he really has this thing for it. But unfortunately, this dude is weird. Um, first of all, he's, he's, he basically lives alone in his house except for uh, his sister who, who is uh, – um, who had – I guess she had rheumatoid – wait, no, no, what was it? Rheumatic fever. And she basically needs to take ice baths every day to keep her temperature down as a result. And weird, weird thing is that he basically, he gave her her bath every day. Uh, it was it and, was strange. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was really, you know, it was actually really weird until I found out that that's, that's, his, uh, real, that's his real life wife. Is it really? Yeah, so... <laughs> Thank goodness. But but anyway, before I knew that, it was really extra weird because um, these these two are kind of both shut-ins, you know, basically. He has a job, but she stays home and, and uh, kind of reminds me of, you remember watching The Haunting where where uh, the girl used to uh, uh, take care of her mom and her mom would just pound on the doors and yell from her bedroom because she was bedridden. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that same type of deal where she just kind of, she didn't really move around much. He came home, she'd start screaming at him, "Hey, is that you downstairs?" You know, whatever type of deal. Anyhow, um, so he is he's taking care of her. He he basically is working up to the balls up to ask this woman who he's been dreaming about. Now I don't know if we mentioned this, but the dreams are horrific. They're not, um, you know, they're not these these love dreams are they basically start like that, but then you know all, all hell breaks loose and you see her like burnt up or or whatever else um anyhow uh he finally gets the balls to ask her out she reluctantly agrees it's obvious that uh um she's not interested in him and uh, one of the most awkward scenes that i've ever seen in a movie really where it was his date because he kept talking about this stuff he just wouldn't shut up about talking about all this really irritating stuff and well the song she, course, the song he wrote for Oh yeah, what, did he sing it for? Yeah, he actually he sang it after she, well, after he murdered her. What? What? Spoiler? No. Oh, okay. No, I didn't catch on because I knew he talked about it, but I didn't realize that he. Okay. Well, no, that makes sense. But uh, I mean, God, he was just being weird about it, and uh, he tries to put a move on her, and uh, well, let's just say that goes terribly wrong, and he ends up strangling her. Well, 
he takes care of business, you know, whatever. And uh, he, I don't know, he goes, he goes home and, and we see that some time has passed. And uh, I won't really give you the time limit because when it said that X amount of a time period had, had uh, passed, I knew it was coming. So I don't want to spoil it. The movie does a good job of that. Oh, yeah. Anyway. It was strange, man. I, it caught me off guard. Yeah. But I loved it. Well, yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is that ended up, I mean, first of all, I think the uh, Clue Gulager did a great job. His wire, his sister, the, the woman who played sister, played a perfect creepy, oh my gosh, she was so weird. And she, there was even one point where she put on a bunch of makeup and ended up making her look like a freaking clown, you know, to try to look good for her brother to give her, the, it was just really bizarre. Oh, yeah. But but the ending just, it just it came out of left field, you know. And uh, I really like this. I mean, Clue Gulliger to me. I mean, he any movie I've seen him in, he just has a, a, such an awesome presence when he's on screen. I didn't even know that was him for the longest time because of the big old thick glasses, man. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, his hair is slicked back. He doesn't look like because if you think about it, this movie was filmed in eighty five, eighty six. Mm-hmm. That's the same time he did Elm Street two, and he looks totally different in Elm Street two. Totally different. Yeah. So I mean, it's I mean, it's it's awesome. He did a good job. No, I agree. And unfortunately, this was my favorite one in the whole movie. This wasn't the only good one, but I think they started with their strongest. And I don't know if that's what you want to do in a in an anthology. I mean, obviously, we'll talk more about that later. Um, I'll go over the other vignettes a little bit quicker. Uh, the second one is a uh, there's this real greaseball criminal. Uh, he the the, the story opens up where basically he is uh, uh, being yelled at by his wife and he his wife just said that he told that she ratted him out to to maybe some people who he owed money or so somebody he double crossed or whatever basically he takes off and, and um, starts running down the street because they show up to his trailer park uh, he runs into the swamp they shoot him and uh, kind of leave him for dead. Well, he ends up uh, being saved by kind of an old guy that lives out in the in the swamp, and uh, he's nursed back to health. And uh, um, turns out that uh, you know after a few weeks of living there, and and uh, after rummaging through some of his of the the older guy's stuff while he was out, uh, you know, doing whatever. Um, that this guy was into voodoo, and apparently he'd been alive for over two hundred years. And uh, this criminal got so interested in it because he's like, well, you know, I want your secret, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, uh, and, of course, he's, he's just a really slime ball. He takes advantage of this guy. And, uh, you know, even after all the kindness that uh, he showed the criminal, he, he double-crosses him. Anyways, he, I guess the, the, the story ends up saying, uh, just being that uh, uh, he ended up finding the, uh, the secret to... Uh, longer life, but uh, it was at a point where he didn't really want it anymore. A kind of a kind of a morality tale there. Yeah. Um, did you like? Did you notice who the criminal was? Uh, no. Oh uh, uh, wait, wait, Dick Miller. No, 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 not Dick Miller. Damn it! No, I don't uh, remember. Actually, I can't think of his name offhand, but it was Bernie Lomax from Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, dude. He was the the psychiatrist in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. Oh, that guy is a slime ball. Yeah, that's him, man. It's the same, it's the same actor. I, I can't think of his name. I didn't know that was. I, I, I didn't know that was Bernie. Yeah, I was watching the movie, man. And I, I was like, that is freaking Bernie. <laughs> and so I looked it up. I was like, hell yeah, it really was. I mean, I thought it was, but yeah, it was him. 
You know, and this one was actually pretty good. I mean, it was it was really cool because the whole thing took place in the swamp, and you know, it's a pretty good environment to put a um, you know a, you know a, a, a creepy story like this. And also, I'm a sucker for voodoo type stories in, that takes place out in the swamp where you know where it's dark and all sorts. Of, you know, I don't know. You know, just the environment there is so conducive to. Uh, black magic when you know especially hey when hey hey the, the stuff where they, yeah why is it gotta be black magic um because that guy was black <laughs> oh you're so racist <laughs> no just no but uh, no but you know i mean because you have all you a lot of the, the voodoo things that you see they need like snakes and newts and frogs oh, yeah. and stuff like that but you know i mean i just i just really that's like one of those environments where i really really like movies to be set in. In fact, there's a movie called Venom. You ever seen that? No. It was a big it was a piece of shit. And it <laughs> uh it uh it starred Agnes Bruckner. Oh, Agnes Bruckner. And it, <laughs> yeah. And it was a really crappy movie, but I really liked it. I watched it like 3 times just because it took place out in that kind of a deal. You have a crush on but her. It, oh, and she's not ugly. Did I mention that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, during the woods. Oh, yeah, it gave me woods. <laughs> Uh, the next, the next one. Go! Oh, I'm taking forever on this, aren't I? Uh, the next one uh, was a story of a woman named Amaryllis Caulfield. Uh, you know, a cute, uh, you know, a young woman in her uh, that lived in uh, Oldfield. Basically, there was a traveling circus called Lovecraft's Traveling Circus uh, came through, and she knew one of the carnies, and he was a glass eater. Just some dude that could eat glass and metal and whatever else, which is really bizarre. It kind of, it was kind of, uh, you know, gave me a little bit of the chills when he started eating glass and, you know, whatever. But uh, basically, uh, they fall in love, but and she wants to leave with him, but they find out they can't because the leader of the, of the traveling circus herself is uh, a, a voodoo priestess that um, practices in the. Um, uh, in the African American arts. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm a dick. I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. But, uh, but uh, no. Basically, she's she's also a voodoo uh, witch or whatever you call it. And she seems to just have uh, everybody seems to be in debt to her for one reason or another. And uh, she's basically uh, owns them. They actually the the. the Agnes, or what's her name? Uh, Agnes, I've got <laughs> Amaryllis. Uh, Amaryllis and uh, her glass eater boyfriend actually try to escape, but we find out that uh, because of uh, the of this woman's power, they they can never escape her clutches. Anyway, um, that this one was one that I didn't really enjoy a heck of a lot. It was I don't know. This was I think this was the one that was that, that kind of. Uh, uh, started going downhill for me. Oh, I think I think uh, the, the think? finale paid off though. Uh, the fin- you know the finale was okay. Oh man, I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I know. Lo- it was. I mean, it was freaky. The but hotel room was, scene it looked weird. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. I thought you meant when like they showed her. No, 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 no. Right before that, like, oh man, that was scene right before that in the hotel room was awesome. Yeah, that was that was real. That was actually really. Cool. I didn't expect I that just, in this movie. Well, you know, in. I don't know. It's not that I didn't expect it, and, and it was a good thing. I just, I, I don't know. I didn't. I think after the two first ones, this one just didn't do it for me. <clears throat> and it's hard not to compare them all because they're all in the same movie. And I think that you know maybe that's just either my problem with anthologies, but that's just something that 
that is inherently there, I guess, because of it's an anthology. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, finally, it's uh, and I'll go over this quick again. It's Civil War time. The war has ended, but four soldiers from the north are still out in the boonies, and uh, they stumble on Oldfield. Uh, there's three. There, there's four guys. Three of them are kind of douchebags. They're, they have a leader that's a real freaking a-hole. Um, and there's one guy that's just like, oh, the war's over. I'm taking off. But the, the a-hole said wouldn't let him take off, and he shoots him for trying to leave and blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, they come upon Oldfield. Old, yeah, Oldfield, that's right. And they find that it's a town full of children. All of the adults apparently have been killed in the war, and uh, except for the 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 one adult that, that is still there, apparently, uh, which the kids refer to as the magistrate. Um, you know, the, kid, the these people get all tied up, and you know, they use all they they try to escape by using all sorts of uh, manipulation, and you know, they're lying to these kids who obviously are are a little freaked out by the whole situation. But I will say that I this is another one I wasn't that into until the end. The payoff in, in, in The Magistrate f- was pretty cool. Oh, man, I, I really, really like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and th- those kids, man, like, they were great actors. The, did you, I think, now no, correct me if I'm wrong, but the main kid, like the boy, wasn't that the same kid that uh, was in Friday 13th Part 6? And he, I can't remember, he, he looked at... Uh, he looked at his friend and said, "So, what were you gonna be when you grew up?" I I don't know, man. It, it could have been. I think I think that was. Him. It would have been around the same year. Yep. Yeah, he looked. He looked almost exactly the same. I mean, obviously he would, but I I, I swear it was him. If my if my memory serves, I'll bet it is. No. Yeah, anyway, I th- I don't know. This one I was. It seemed to drag on a little bit, but like I said, the payoff was cool, and I think that also I was just kind of. Growing, uh, I this was a movie where I kept checking how much time went through. Oh, like oh, how much? How much longer do I have left? <laughs> Apparently, that wasn't. We don't share that sentiment. No, I see this one. Like I'd never seen it before, and up until the the very end, I was like, wow. I mean, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it. It was just it kept me, it kept me kind of wanting more. Oh, you know, and I hadn't seen this either, and I, and you know, I didn't hate the movie. I just, I just wish that. Uh, the in my opinion they the the vignettes weren't consistent uh, now i don't mean consistent in tone or cons- whatever just consistently good i i don't know i don't i, I feel like i'm complaining a little bit too much about it cuz it is a good movie and i I'll, I'll i'll i probably would watch this again i just uh i don't know i'd probably fast forward through the uh the the traveling circus one up until the hotel up until the hotel <laughs> Uh, we don't need. I don't know. Man. Um, also, I noticed that there were a few. I mean, the the thing is, is the movie. It was. I mean, it, it was good for what it was. Really, did I just <laughs> say that? No, I'm just teasing. Uh, the, I mean, there were a few things about it. Like, I mean, there were a few obvious flaws. You know, you know how you go to like the like the IMDb and you look at some of the goofs. Oh yeah. I never. I never notice goofs while I'm watching. I never do. I'm. I don't. I don't know if it's just because I'm not that observant or or whatever. But in this one, I I noticed a couple of really glaring ones. First of all, when when uh, Gulliger uh, left that woman for dead, she was freaking breathing. Are you serious? Did Did you notice? That? I, yeah, she was breathing. I think Shelley said that too, and I I thought she was just saying that. 
No, it's like you could totally see her breathing, and and in that same in that same uh, story, he 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 poured two glasses of champagne at her funeral or whatever. He drank one, and then like a second later, there were two full cups. That of champagne. I did notice that. That, you know, and I never noticed stuff like that. Well, I mean, but that was pretty obvious because it shows, I mean, they put so much focus on the fact that that glass is empty and then he has two full ones. Right. Okay. I mean, that was obvious. You know, and I don't know. And, I, and I'm not usually looking for things like that. So if I notice it, it's like, you know, it had to be fairly obvious. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to continue. Uh, I don't want everybody to think that I didn't like this movie. I think that I didn't like one of the vignettes and I didn't really like the beginning of the, the last one, but I think it ended it really well. Um, uh, overall, uh, I can overlook, you know, a couple you know, some of those inconsistencies because every single movie has them and some of my favorites have some of the most blatant ones ever. Oh yeah. You know? So, so whatever. I don't know. So, so what what'd you think about the movie as a whole? I mean, I, I really liked it, man. Um, I thought the music was really cool. I thought the it, visually, I thought it was really creepy. It was, it, it had a good atmosphere about it. And like Ferguson said, I really liked how it felt older than it actually was. It was real grainy you know, and gritty. I, I, you know, I did notice that too. It's funny because I watched it, and then I watched our other movie, and I figured they were from around the same time. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Vincent Price was this freaking old, but you know, obviously, this wasn't made till nineteen eighty or filmed till nineteen eighty five or in nineteen eighty six. And I think that that um, Vincent Price they filmed his reach around story for our last. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, he loved it. I know, um, but uh, you know, in in like I said, I guess they interviewed. Uh, here's what happened: basically, um, Jeff Burr was uh, just a new filmmaker. He's the guy that directed it. And he, he had the balls to go up to Vincent Price and just say, hey, you know, we want you in this movie. Would you come do our movie? And for some reason, Vincent was, like, was pretty impressed with the guy's um, uh, confidence. So he basically said, okay, you know, I'll be in your movie. But then he ended up, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he ended up uh, not liking him too much. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I can kind of see where he's coming from. But um, I don't know. It was very, it was very I, different for Vincent Price. Well, Vincent Price did a great job. I don't know what happened to the woman's, the reporter's face, but <laughs> she had a distracting face because she was like, she was not, she wasn't like totally ugly, but she was like, looked so damn mean. Oh yeah, Vincent Price only had about, I would say, five minutes of screen time in the whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if that. Yeah, it wasn't very much. You know, but. Anyway, um, I don't know. After you know, after watching it and then uh, you know talking about it a little bit, I would still give it a buy. Oh yeah, that's the one I give it a buy. Yeah, but mine's a low buy. Uh, but and mostly because of a Gulliger and Price. They, I think both those guys did a freaking awesome job. Plus, um, in uh, in the story that uh, Clue was in. There was a, he worked at this place where he he had this kind of like slime ball uh, Italian uh, you know buddy, and uh, that guy was awesome. He was just such a douche. You got, he, he was barely in it, but I re- I really identified with him, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you, and you thought he was kind of there for him, but he made those off color remarks about how you can never get a girl like that and stuff. Right. Um, the memory count on this was fourteen. And mostly of Clue's wife. Yeah. I mean, sister. Well, well, right. His, uh, his, it's legal in Arkansas. Well, the thing is, is, I mean, they're pretty old at this point. 
You know, I mean, because he was born, Clue was born in 1929. Holy crap. Which is, yeah, which is like my dad, my grandpa's age. And my, I mean, obviously this was a long time ago, but that's freaking old balls, man. Man. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm actually very surprised that the, that older woman had the balls to, well, had the guts to go on and, uh, you know, show some skin. Well, she didn't have any balls. Oh, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> did you, did you learn anything? I learned quite a few things. Uh, if you're going to double cross an old dude that does voodoo, you're a dumbass. <laughs> Especially Sorry. after he tells you he does voodoo. Yeah, exactly. Well, and after he starts teaching you how to do it yourself, he was going to totally teach him, but he just got impatient. Um, giving your invalid sister a bath every day is as creepy as it sounds. Most definitely. <laughs> and uh, Vincent Price, of course, is the mother effing man. That, that goes without saying, dude. You learned that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh well, I mean, I guess it was more of a reassurance. Say, yeah, that—that's just a no. That's just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> he could kick. How about you? He could kick Chuck, Chuck Norris's ass. Um, wow, Chuck Norris is going to take offense with you. <laughs> I learned. I learned that uh, herbal essences were. It was the first uh, shampoo used also to lethally inject criminals. Did you notice that when she was getting uh, when she was getting injected, she was like moaning, and I was like, I don't think that's normal. I'm not, <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the consistency of the stuff. No, but uh, but no, uh, you know what? You know how they really do it? I think they give him one injection to knock him out. Yeah, they give him three total. I think. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah and, and then they uh, whatever. But it's like I saw that, and I'm just like, huh, well, whatever, because she seemed like she was either in pain or in in ecstasy oh, or. Or Pinhead was there and she was feeling both at the same time. Dude, it looked like she was uh, freaking playing DJ. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I learned that aluminum trailer doors shatter like wood when you throw yourself through them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And last, I learned the ultimate way of telling someone you mean business is stabbing them in the junk. <laughs> Dude, how did I? How did I not say anything about that? I don't know. Oh, that dude got it though, man. Dude gets stabbed in the junk, and I don't even mention it. No, I, I, I really, when I saw that in the movie, I was like, "Oh, those kids—they're not messing around." <laughs> oh my god! No. <laughs> uh, any who else said that? Uh, I do. Uh, we can't let the—we can't let a little thing interrupt our romance. Um, that was uh, what you say to your girlfriend when you realize that uh, you had a midget peeping tom. <laughs> I have a midget joke. Next one. Oh yes, that's awesome. Oh, is that it? That's it. Oh, okay. Um, I have one. Oh, I have two. It'll take two men and a young gorilla to satisfy that. That's uh, what people say about the female cast of the Jersey Shore. Oh, snap. You know what? I just learned something about the Jersey Shore. That there is a girl named Snookies that's in it. Yeah, she's the biggest whore. And I saw, I, I only know this because I saw I was like looking at Yahoo News or something. She was on it. I'm like, who in the crap is this? And why is she famous? And she's one of the most repulsive beings that I have ever laid eyes upon, even on the internet. Oh, yeah. Well, you you learned how repulsive she was? No, I didn't learn that. I'm just saying. Well, well, you should, well I didn't know who she was before. Well, oh, man. You should see. You should hear her talk, dude. No, I've never heard her When talk. she talks, it's a million times worse. I don't know how it could be. Oh, it's so bad. And, uh,. The last who else said that is uh, I own the tears you weep and the blood you shed. That is the oh, right. that's the uh, American healthcare system. Oh, 
That's gonna hurt. <laughs> oh man, did you get any kick in the balls? Uh, I did get a kick in the ball. The leader of that uh, that army guys, those rogue army dudes. God, he was such a slime ball. He gets my kick in the balls. And uh, I can't remember if it was him that actually got the stab in the balls, or if that. No, I think that was one of the. Other it was. Ones. It was the first guy, or the no, um, the next guy. Either either way, um, they stabbed the wrong guy in the balls. <laughs> uh, my kick in the balls goes to Grace, uh, the girl that Clue Golger was obsessed with. Because oh, yeah. she didn't show her boobs, and when you have plenty of like old Eileen boobage, but you're not going to show Grace, the woman who's actually kind of attractive. I, I was I was confused. I was like, "That is an offense." I'm kicking Grace in the balls. <laughs> Maybe that's why she didn't want to disrobe because she she had a secret. Exactly. So we get to see Clue's wife. She had a secret that I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you know it's funny. It's the six degrees I got for this. I just uh, actually copied and pasted from last week's because. Uh, what movie did we do with where Clue was in it? Um, oh, he was well, in um, Initiation. Yep. So, yeah, you could either go back and listen to that, or I can just say it real quick. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 with Robert England, who was in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare with Tom Arnold, who was in McHale's Navy with Bruce Campbell. Oh, is that cheating? snap. No, no, I don't think it is. I mean, it's the same. I literally copied and pasted. Dude, it's, it's the exact same actor, so I think it's, I think it's fair. Right, now, next week, if we, get, if we do a movie with Clue Golger in it, I'm calling you out. <laughs> you know what? No, you can't just make up rules and be inconsistent. <laughs> Come on. We're all class here, okay? We we have a fine line of ethics, and we follow those. <laughs> just happens to talk a lot about balls. Uh, you know? that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> oh. Anyways, like I said, bye. Low bye. Oh, I thought you were saying goodbye. Oh, yeah, I, I give this a buy. I don't know about a low buy. I think I'm gonna buy it either way. I already bought it. Did you? Yep. Yeah, I need to get it. Although, um, well, it's one of those movies where you hear people bitching about the transfer and stuff, and about how the soundtrack is a little bit different on the DVD version than VHS. So. Oh really? I, yeah, but there's no the version that they're talking about being so great isn't on DVD. So it's not like you can just go get it. Well, that that puts a damper on. Well, I mean, yeah. So I mean, like, uh, people all the time like to bitch about things like that about how it's it's a different cut of the movie and the soundtrack's been changed. But if you can't, if you could only get one version of a movie, then you know that's what you get. Now, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh yeah. Cool, man. So uh, let's see. Do you want to do some uh, slasher central, and then we will uh, be. Back to talk about From Beyond the Grave. Hell, that cool? Hell yeah, bitches. Hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? We love premarital sex. Welcome to Slasher Central. Today we're talking about 
Open House from 1987. Someone is killing off pretty young real estate agents. Despite their best efforts, the police can't stop the murders. When Dr. David Kelly starts to receive strange phone calls on his radio show from someone who could be the killer, the police jump at the chance to stop him. But now it looks like the open house killer is targeting David's girlfriend. Can he be caught before he strikes again? You want to see me, Captain? I beseech you, Pharaoh. I've got a killer out there. And not a simple clue as to where. We're following all the available leads. Your leads are for the birds. I've kept up on the file. I suggest you work up a psychological profile. And when has that kind of thing ever worked? You know, my wife had an idea, too. Oh, come on. She says there's a guy calling into this survival line. That's dime store psychiatry, Captain. Look, all I know is my wife says someone is calling into this show who might be the killer. It's a long shot, I know. But we can't afford to overlook a lead. Now, check it out, okay? When I get the time, Captain. This isn't the only case I got. By 1987, the slasher genre had begun to run its course. This is a full decade after the first Halloween. And by this time, the slasher genre had really become a lot of sequelization and parody. The previous year, we had gotten two original films, but those were Slaughter High and Cheerleader Camp, which are decent movies, but not great slasher movies. And Friday the 13th was in part six, which is kind of the jokey, fun one. It was a good movie, but it was definitely beginning to slide. The quality was beginning to go downhill. Now, the one main exception is the Nightmare on Elm Street series, which by this point was in its third incarnation, and in many people's opinions, the best one. And that's, of course, The Dream Warriors. And that brings us to Open House. Now, the first thing very noticeable about Open House is its lead protagonist, which is Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau was one of the premier scream queens in the 80s, next to Jamie Lee Curtis and some of those other people. Adrienne Barbeau made her start with John Carpenter. In fact, the two were actually married in the 80s. She was in Escape from New York. She starred in Creepshow. But one of her most famous roles was as DJ Stevie Wayne in The Fog. It's 12 midnight, and we just started into the witching hour. This is Stevie Wayne on top of the world tonight. And I'll be here right up until about 1 o'clock. And here she plays the closest thing you're going to get to a final girl. First of all, when you get into Open House, it starts very effectively with this girl in a phone booth calling in to the uh, radio talk show by Dr. David Kelly. And this is a very effective scene. This girl is crying. She's at the end of her rope. She is about to commit suicide. And she's basically trying to get the last bit of help she can from this cheap radio show. And then she proceeds to commit suicide. And the movie starts on a very somber note. And this is pretty much setting up what you would think would be the accident to lead into the movie, a la The Burning or Friday the 13th or any number of slasher movies that start out with some tragic occurrence. 
But, unfortunately, this is not the case. The next scene is this ridiculous scene that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And essentially, this movie is your typical cheesy 80s comedy quasi-slasher movie. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And only an 80s movie could be this cheesy and still work. The next scene is this realtor trying to show this house to this Asian couple. And the whole joke is that she's pretending like uh, they are really stupid and they don't understand English. And then, of course, she thinks she's going to lose the house. And then they reveal they speak English and they're going to take the house. And she's overacting and it's really cheesy. Uh, And this pretty much carries out throughout the movie. You have characters that are like realtors that are flirting with the people that they're showing the house to just before they get murdered. Really, it's all due to the script. The script is pretty bad with uh, lines abound that just only could be found in an 80s movie. Lines like this one. Resnick, when was the last time you so much as read the ingredients on a stick of deodorant? Now, this wouldn't be a bad thing if it was handled well. I mean, it has been handled well before in slashers like Pieces and Aerobicide and other movies in the 80s. But here, it's just not done very well. The movie is pretty clumsy all the way through. First of all, there's just too many side plots and too many characters vying for the the watcher's attention. First of all, Lisa Grant, that is played by Adrian Barbeau, has this rivalry with another realtor, this slimy guy named Resnick. He's this big, fat guy that kind of reminds me of Jabba the Hutt. Pizza. Pizza. And then you have a cop trying to catch the killer and really failing miserably. He doesn't want to be on the case, and he's just another distraction in the movie. Not a very good actor, really overacting in the movie, very ineffective. He only gets one really good scene, and it's at the very end of the movie. And then there's the whole side plot with the radio show and Dr. David Kelly. David Kelly is receiving these phone calls from the killer. And the very first scene that you get this phone call into this station is very effective and very well done. Hello, Harry. You're on the air. I'm, I'm calling about those murders. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, bodies in the houses. From what I read, it was a brutal scene. How does that make you feel? I think they deserved it. Come again? You heard me. I said they deserved it. They got what they probably deserved. How the hell do you figure that? What do you base that on? Pretty expensive homes they died in. What gave them the right? To what, Harry? To a house. To live like that. Spend that money. A lot of people out there wish they just had something to eat. How can you begin to make instantaneous judgments about people who were murdered, horrifically slaughtered for no apparent reason? (laughs) Don't get so worked up, Doc. It's just one man's opinion. And herein lies the problem. The movie can't decide whether it wants to be a creepy slasher movie or be a tongue-in-cheek, jokey 80s movie. In fact, there could be a big question over whether this is a slasher movie at all. But we'll get to that. More uh, cheesiness and elements that ruin the movie are the music in the movie. I'm not sure who did the score, but whoever did it pretty much did the entire score on a Casio keyboard. It's all very electronic sounding, 
and it really is very misplaced. For example, you'll have two characters uh, in a very serious dialogue scene, and there'll be this really cheesy music playing over the background of the scene like this. And it's really tough to concentrate on the music when this crap is playing. It's really distracting. It just doesn't work. And then there's, of course, the script. As I said, the script is really bad. It tries to throw in too many things that don't work. And there's a lot of political statements in the movie, a lot of which I'm not sure they really knew what they were going for. Some of the scenes just don't really work. This is an example of some of the political crap that's in the movie. Whether he did it or not, whoever he is, the man is still entitled to due process of law. I had a feeling you were one of those spineless liberal wimstock. And I get the impression that you're probably the red-baiting conservative type, Carl. God and country, Doc. So again, the question is, is this movie really a slasher movie? It definitely has some aspirations above a slasher movie. For example, uh, there's no real final girl. Adrienne Barbeau's in the movie, but she isn't the only one that is focused on. You have Dr. David Kelly, you have the cops, and you have Adrienne Barbeau, and you have her rivalry with Resnick. So there's all these elements in the air. And at the end of the movie, you don't really have any showdown between Adrienne Barbeau and the killer. In fact, I'd say this movie is going more for the feel of a thriller, uh, of Silence of the Lambs or something than a slasher. I would equate this movie to When a Stranger Calls, which was a movie that was made just before Halloween and has a lot of the feel of a slasher, but is not really a slasher. It's more of a character study about the killer. And that's kind of what this movie is. Not really. The script isn't good enough to really reach that aspiration. And it really doesn't go for the scares. A lot of the movie and a lot of the kills are set in broad daylight, so there's no real tension and no real scariness to the scenes. And then you have the killer. Uh, the killer is, well, he's this homeless guy who wears a trench coat and he eats dog food. So he leaves his empty dog food cans at the scene of the crime and it's really stupid and kind of jokey. Now, there are some slasher elements. You have a lot of uh, good scenes of nudity. You have some subtle side boob from Adrian Barbeau. It's difficult to tell the shape of a breast when it's holstered and hoisted in a bra. Which is always a plus because Adrian Barbeau is a good-looking woman. And then you have uh, the fancy slasher kills and weapons that you would find in a slasher. For example, in one scene you have the killer tearing off the end of a plunger and attaching these razors to the end of it and using it kind of as a modified mace. It's me, Mario! And then in another scene, you have him using this S&M strap that one of the characters is using to strangle her with it. And, uh, you know, kind of jokey, stupid kill. Then you have a scene where he actually ties this woman up to a post, attaches electrodes to her chest, then pours champagne down the front of her chest, and electrifies her, and, and it's a, like a really spectacular slasher-type kill. And then you have another scene where he ties this woman up and strangles her, and that scene is very creepy and effective. So you really have just really varied levels of tension and effectiveness throughout the movie. So, is this movie a slasher movie? I don't know. On our slasher scale, you do have lots of blood. You have some good 80s gore, like a decapitated head, and you have some pretty cool, gory deaths. 
But on the whole, not enough to justify suggesting this movie. You do have some pretty good nudity. You have a good protracted skinny dipping scene, which is uh, pretty titillating. The trick to getting someone to skinny dip with you is to make them think it's their idea. So there is a lot of good nudity in the movie, but there's not a whole lot of partying. There's no teens. All of the characters are middle-aged. There's no woods or anything like that. In fact, a lot of the kill scenes happen in empty houses because the whole plot of the movie is the killer is stalking these realtors. So, I don't know. On a slasher scale, this goes pretty low. I really wouldn't suggest open house. And uh, I really had to search this week to find a good slasher movie. And in the end, didn't really find one. Better luck next time, maybe. That's it for Slasher Central this week. Thank you for tuning in. And for the record, Sorority Row is not my favorite slasher movie. Do you know that bad girls go to hell? Right. I'm just fucking with you, Daddy. The open house killer. Tell me why every serial killer gets a cute nickname attached to him. We live in a very sick world. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points... And may God have mercy on your soul. From Beyond the Grave, 1973, written by R. Chetwin Hayes and directed by Kevin Connor. This is where the temptations begin. Unlimited temptations. Can I help you at all? I'll tell you what, I'll give you 25 quid to get rid of it. It's a deal. Each concealing a horrendous nightmare that reaches out from the dark world that lies beyond the grave. Come in. Whoever you are, come in. excitement way beyond the normal no if you want to test your nerves beyond endurance come beyond the mirror on the wall step beyond this door Turn. Experience the evil with no name. Stop! Steal yourself for the visitor in the night. Every step you take brings you nearer the clutching terror from beyond the grave.
just order me. We've got him! Where the white worms crawl from the sinner's grave, leave us forever. Denied me life. Susan! Ghost kept alive by the life essences of those who had been sacrificed to it. Beyond the Grave. Score composed by Douglas Gamley. Douglas, not David. If you go on IMDb, it's going to tell you that David Gamley scored the music to this, and Douglas Gamley conducted it. In fact, the composition and conducting was both done by Douglas. Uh, I don't know who the hell this David is, but uh, feel free to go on there and try to make a change. It's like filling out a goddamn tax form. IMDb. Suck a nut. Um, Douglas Gamley is an Australian composer that mainly wrote for British films. Um, he did some American stuff, but mainly in British. Douglas kind of hooked up with this production company and began doing uh, movies with them, scoring movies. He did Vault of Horror. He did Tales from the Crypt. He also did Asylum, uh, which is classic. Something really um, important to kind of note here is the very British style of this. Um, European film scores, or even just music itself, um, was really still um, dealing with the avant-garde movement at this time, uh, 1973. And what you were seeing is a lot of new techniques, a lot of things being tried that hadn't been done before. This avant-garde movement was not catching on with audiences, you know, that were going out and listening to uh, music at the opera or played live, where avant-garde, where the ideas that were brought up that Schoenberg and, and his followers really brought up, where this music was catching on was in metal, was in, um, you know, kind of this acid rock. Uh, these ideas were catching on, though, especially in horror movies. Hammer horror films was really grasping um, onto these new techniques and these new styles of the avant-garde. And it fit great because they could really just push these elements, make them sound terrible, just horrible as shit, but it fit the fact that this was a horror movie and it was supposed to sound and visually look that way. Amicus, on the other hand, didn't. They actually kind of went more of a traditional route. And this is a little more representative of the uh, Amicus way of scoring. It's almost a more traditional kind of uh, way of doing it. One thing that that's interesting, though, is you'll notice sound effects, almost like folly effects. Not that there's anything on screen, uh, like you might hear a whistle or um, you know some odd, weird sound like that. But there isn't a whistle or anything on screen. Um, part of this movement and part of something that was starting to catch on, um, it almost sounds like you're listening to an old radio broadcast show. But you would start to hear sounds uh, as a part, as an element in the music. Uh, in Eastern Europe, this really caught on big time. Uh, you would start to hear, in music, you would start to hear things like uh, um, the air raid sirens and things like that. Uh, it's in British music as well. And uh, a big thing, actually, that you were starting to hear a lot in the music was um, bell tolls, um, especially things like a, you know, like a church bell. Um, 
a lot of the time what it was is it was sounds that were representative of kind of the feeling they wanted to get across. Oh, for instance, if they were trying to get across something like a nightmare or something scary, they would try to put you in a mood of when you were a kid and you would have nightmares or you would be afraid of something like a vampire when you still could be afraid of, you know, believing in something like that. So they would put childlike sounds in there, um, whether it's actually like children's voices talking, um, whether it's sounds of a playground or maybe a game you played when you were a child or, you know, church bells or even a choir, stuff like that. You were starting to see that a lot more, these sound elements being put in there, which is a precursor actually to later when you started getting more sampling um, with guys like Graham Ravel and uh, Charlie Clauser. It's a pretty cool little um, little beginning to that. Um, Hammer really pushed this kind of gothic and exoticism that they had in their films. And you really see much more of kind of a restraint against that. Um, even though, I mean, you've got incredible people in this. I mean, God, you've got Cushing, you've got Pleasance. This is a phenomenal um, cast in this movie. The score really pushes just these traditional elements. It stays really basic. It's very straightforward. And um, a lot of this uh, organ in there, a lot of... Uh, but not big, huge cathedral organ. It's much more smaller. Um, a lot of the score is played much more kind of individual. It's not this huge, massive thing. But uh, it does what it's supposed to really well, and it supports what's on screen. It does a really good job of coming up with some, some nice, dark themes that aren't overly gothic. They're actually fairly contemporary. Um, they're really you know, applicable to what's going on, like the ghost of Bluebeard at the beginning in the mirror, or whatever the shit that is. It's some good stuff, and he, he comes up with some good themes and kind of alters the themes for each story, so um, they kind of all hold up on their own. Five quid. Tell you what, let's make it four quid, and you can keep the paper bag. Overall, this is a great score. Um, it's a great movie, and they really hold hand in hand, and they make a really solid production together. Um, it never gets wacky. It never goes, you know, way too far out there. It doesn't get melodramatic or anything like that. It really stays restrained and traditional, and it just it nails what it's trying to do. I think this movie it basically centers around Peter Cushing's character, who owns a antique store called Temptations Limited, and this store has four customers all day long. And it's their stories individually of what happens to them after they encounter his shop. The first story is about a guy named Edward, who's played by David Warner, who walks into the store and he finds an antique mirror, which he knows it's really valuable, but he tries to tell Peter Cushing that, you know, it's real dingy and it's not, it's cracked and scratched up and it's not worth anything. So he basically buys this mirror for practically nothing and once he gets at home the um the mirror has a face that lives inside of it played by marcel steiner and this guy needs blood and so he instructs well actually i'm sorry i'm a little bit ahead of myself david warner has a party and they decide to have a seance and at the seance is when he first encounters this man the face played by marcel steiner and this guy needs blood, so he asks David Warner's character of Edward to offer up sacrifices to him so you know, he can continue to live. And basically, through this whole first story, David Warner is... It seems like he's going through this whole cycle of going crazy because he's 
picking up prostitutes and you know his neighbor downstairs thinks he's throwing these loud rock star type parties and you know having these women over at all hours but what he's doing is he's killing these women and he's burying them in the floorboards and as the story progresses you find out that basically the more people he kills the more of his life seems to go away and the more of the guy in the mirror's life seems to become um more whole the guy in the mirror starts off looking like rob zombie and toward the end he looks more like ray stevens <laughs> and it, i thought that was kind of funny but and right and in, in the very end david warner goes from looking like you know a regular upper class kind of middle class kind of dude to uh he looked like a beat poet in the end but <laughs> like a gray-skinned beat poet yeah and, and i don't want to say a that. whole lot about this one i mean it was it was a cool story but and, and actually, this movie's only rated PG, and I thought this story um, it had some I don't want to say graphic compared to today's violence, but for back then, I think the violence was pretty graphic. Well, and not just the violence. I think that the appearance of um, the guy in the mirror, you know, because basically every time you saw him, he was kind of beyond behind a veil of smoke. Oh, I know, and dude. So, so you could kind of see, and it was I, in my opinion, that was that was. That was creepy looking, man. It, it was, and it was course, well executed. David, oh, I agree. And David, what was his name? David Warner. Yeah, David Warner. Um, you or Warner? He does a lot of. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. Like he was in The Omen and whatnot, and he does a really good job in this role. Oh yeah, he you he's know, a great this, actor. Again, this was my favorite one out of all. Of Are you serious? I, yeah, I love. This oh one. man, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get into the second story. The second story is my okay. favorite. Okay. Um, this story. Oh, actually, that first story is called The Gate Crasher. The second story is called An Act of Kindness, and it starts off where you see a guy played by uh, Ian Banner. His name's Christopher, and he I think it starts off where he's walking home from work, and he sees um, an ex-military guy who's selling shoelaces and stuff on the side of the road, and he stops and you know gives the guy some coins, and the guy is Donald, play, played by Donald Pleasance. His name's Jim Underwood, and... He's really, you know, just really happy with that this man stopped and talked to him for a second and gave him money. And so the, the guy goes home and you see, um, Christopher goes home and you see that his life is just very, it's, it's, not, it's not doing it for him. His wife is a real bitchy woman who's controlling. Oh, she's selfish. She was like, she reminded me of a woman from a John Waters film, like one of the, like one of the antagonists. Right. Right. And and while I'm saying that, he kind of looked like Dabney Coldman. Well, he had that damn little mustache that was so distracting. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop thinking nine to five. I was waiting for Dolly Parton to walk in. But um, so basically, what happens is um, this kind of well-off guy is trying to make himself feel special and give his life some meaning, and he stops and talks to Donald Pleasance the next day, and tells him, you know, that I'm a veteran too. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm in, um, what would you call that, like a, a ranked... Infantry? Yeah, I'm an infantry um, person from the military. Yeah, I don't know what, it, what rank he said he was. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But um, basically, Donald Pleasance is just, you know, overwhelmed. He's like, oh, that's so awesome to talk to you and stuff. And so he goes to the shop that Peter Cushing is running, the um, Temptations Limited, and he goes to get, what is it, like a purple heart, uh, like a medal, right? It's yeah, a purple think, heart kind of thing? 
I don't say well, a, a Purple Hearts American, yeah, American, but I think it may have been like the 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 English equivalent or something. Well, that's what I figured. I figured it was some like a heroic thing, and and Peter Cushing's character, you know, is like, well, uh, sure, I can sell this to you as long as you have the certificates that prove that you were this ranking, uh, you know, officer. And while Peter Cushing walks off, the guy Dabney Coleman lookalike steals it, and. So basically, he goes back and he shows Donald Pleasance, and Donald Pleasance's character of Jim Underwood says, "Well, okay, well, um, would you like to come over sometime and have some tea? With my daughter makes good tea and cake." And he's real. Um, Christopher's kind of hesitant at first, but you know he he does say, "Okay, I'll do this." And I think a few days later, after he goes home and he has a few more experiences with his horrible wife. Terrible. Oh, she's awful. Sausages again. Oh, and I should mention he has a son. They right. they have a kid, and and the kid seems he is always doing homework, and he seems amused by the parents. Like he's and he's very plain looking. He, he is. <laughs> but um, so um, Christopher goes and he has tea with Donald Pleasance, and it's actually Donald Pleasance's daughter Angela Pleasance, who plays Emily in this. That's that's his real daughter. Oh yeah, and they look almost identical. She is so scary. Oh, but you know what's funny, though, is in this movie, I probably would have nailed her. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I think I would have. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, my God. She, she, she was like that creepy kind of girl I used to fall for. <laughs> Dude, the weird ones. Uh, oh, anyway, I'm just messing. I, 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 I was going to say, I cannot get behind you on no. this. Um, so, anyway, they go over there and... And I don't know if it's the first day he's talking to them, but he basically says something, maybe the second time, that, you know, th- they ask him why, I think something about a button, like, your wife can fix this button. He goes, oh, she doesn't really do much of anything, and she, right. she sits at home and she gossips with her friends, or she goes out and she doesn't cook or clean, all this kind of stuff. And Sausages again! <laughs> I- I'm going to continue to say that. Uh, you know what, that should be the, every time you hear that drink. But um, <laughs> by the way, that's why I got to get it off my chest right now. That's a kick in the balls. I don't know if sausages are something different in the UK, but I would never complain about eating sausages again. ever. And you never have. <laughs> uh, what? Get one. I'll punch you. <laughs> so, um, so, some weird things start to happen. It shows uh, Christopher and his wife laying in bed, and you kind of see um, Donald Pleasance's daughter Emily standing there. And this weird, like, it looks like a funeral gown, almost. Right. And she has the shroud over her face. And then the wife wakes up and she says, someone was just here. But, you know, it it, it, it comes off as a nightmare. And right. then you see her and her son on the public transportation, like the bus. And you see someone clip her hair. And it's, mm-hmm. it's still kind of weird. Well, um, Jim Underwood and Christopher, they decide, you know, he's, he's like, well, come over. My daughter will make food for us and everything. When he gets to the house this night, the daughter has prepared this meal, but Jim says, well, I'm going to go out and, and what he says, I'm going to go out with some buddies or something. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, I'll be back around midnight. And he's kind of, you know, suggesting to, to Christopher that, you know, my daughter's at your disposal. Right. So um, the, the, the daughter makes him this food. And while he's eating it, she's walking around this apartment real slowly and she's singing this really creepy rhyme about we know what we know and uh, you'll be mine and, and just all this weird stuff. It just I can't even begin to remember. Well, it was it was bizarre, but my favorite part of it was the chorus. Sausages again! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nice. 
Well, and what happens is uh, the woman comes over. Well, he says, I like your singing. And she says, well, I didn't realize I was singing. And she says, well, your wife doesn't, you know, take care of you like a woman should. And, and basically they end up, you know, doing the nasty. Yeah. And and when, when you do that with her, it's actually referred to as doing the extra nasty. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's an uncut version of this where he pees in her butt. But <laughs> that she's like sausages again. <laughs> That's so fitting. But uh... <laughs> by the way, that's who else said that. That was her when uh, Dabney Coleman peed in her butt. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so um, he he walks out in the living room, and she, after afterwards she gets up and he gets up, and she is a doll, a voodoo doll, which. It looks like his wife, kind of, but it also kind of looks like Pamela Voorhees from Friday One. Mm-hmm. But this was, you know, way, this was almost 10 years prior. I just thought maybe that, you know, Sean Cunningham stole that or something. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I thought, I thought I, I'm sorry, I'm really fighting back the urge <laughs> to say sausages again. again. <laughs> so, okay, so... <laughs> She she has a voodoo doll, and she has a little, like a pen. She's about to prick it, and she says, I can do this, and your life will be good. And he says, well, no. And she goes, well, do you want me to? And he says, no. And she said, well, if you want me to, I can do this. And he's like, well, if you want to. And she goes, no, if you want to. And it goes on for, you know, good two, three minutes. And finally, he says, whatever you have to do. And she pokes through her neck. And he goes, this is all nonsense. She's still alive. And he goes home. And when he gets there, his wife is, you know, passed out dead on the stairs and his son sitting there. And then you see Donald Pleasance and his daughter walking in and they're in that, it looks like the funeral get up. Right. And then cuts forward to a scene and the, in the next scene, the main guy, Christopher and Emily are married and you see they're all happy there. He's got his son and, and, and Jim Underwood standing there. And I'm going to go ahead and stop it right there because I think that, I think that this it's pretty much the basic synopsis of that story. Well, and as if that wasn't a good enough story, there is one last twist. Oh, and it's awesome. Well, and you know, this also defies a little bit of of uh, my problems with uh, anthologies. Is this was a pretty good story? I mean, this was a pretty chalk uh, story. Was chock full of good stuff. And I did not call that ending. Not at all. I did, you know, I didn't either. And actually, and, and it, I'd never thought of it. Yeah, and that's impressive to me because I, I, I called everything up until then, and at that point, I was like, oh wow, this is, <laughs> this is just, this has gone off the deep end, but it was awesome. Right. So, um, the next story is called The Elemental, and it stars Ian Carmichael as Reginald, uh, Margaret Layton as Madame Orloff, and Nyree Dawn Porter as Susan. It's a starts off. There's a man on a train, and he's heading home, and there's a crazy looking she looks like a bag lady you know like she'd have pigeons all over her right and she tells him she says you have a creature on your shoulder and he looks and, and he thinks she's crazy as hell and well she seems crazy oh, yeah she, she is she's got the big harry potter glasses with the magnifying glass lenses and and she said she gives him his card and or no she gives him her card and right. she says, you know, if, if you want to get rid of this, call me, and, and th- this thing can cause, this is a killer, and they're very rare, and this thing can cause trouble in your life. Well, he gets home, and when he gets home, he goes into the kitchen, and his wife's making dinner, 
and she has her back to him, and she says, ow, and he's like, what happened? And she says, you just hit me. He says, I know I didn't hit you. And at that point, you're like, okay, this is this is a little weird already. And she asks her husband why he's standing weird. He's standing crooked, and, and he is, his shoulders kind of leaning downward. Well, mm-hmm. later they go to bed, and while they're laying in bed, you know, it's kind of fun at first. She thinks he's kind of messing with her, and then she says, you're, you're choking me. And you're and she's laying there like she's being strangled, but he gets up and he is nowhere near. Her, but she's still in she's she still insists that he's he tried to strangle her, he tried to kill her. So he says, "Okay, I'm going to call this lady. I'm going to call uh, Madame Orloff." And she comes in there, and, and and this story to me was real fun. It was just she was batshit crazy. She was right. saying all sorts of crazy stuff. And she goes in there, and and she is basically like an exorcism. She's trying to get rid of him. And mm-hmm. and the, it's the elemental she's trying to get rid of. And she walks around the apartment or their house, and she's saying this rhyme. And the rhyme is just, what she's saying is just insanely crazy. But as she's saying this stuff, you know, uh, vases are exploding, and potted plants are blowing up, and their hair is all disheveled and stuff. And it's really funny because it's just like, it's like an earthquake or a tornado went through there. Right. And at the very end, you know, she says, okay, I got rid of him. And he said, I do. I feel a million times better. And and at that point, she leaves, and she says, you know, you're going to pay for the car and everything, and I'll send you the bill. And he's just overwhelmed with, you know, excitement. You, you got rid of this, and I'm so happy. And after she leaves, it's they hear him and his wife hear a noise upstairs, and they it appears that maybe there's something still there. Maybe the elemental got upstairs. And at that point... It kind of goes off the deep end a little bit, too. And I think we should end that one there, too, because I think that ending is really cool. Mm-hmm. Because um, him and his wife are really scared to go up there, but she's Madame Orloff's gone, and so they have to figure out what's going on on their own. Right. And uh, so and basically the elementals take over from within, and, you know. And that's that story. And in the final story, The Door... This is um, starring Ian Ogilvy, uh, Ogilvy as William, Leslie Ann Down as Rosemary, and Jack Watson as Sir Michael Sinclair. And it's a and and I'm sorry, I didn't say the last story what it had to do with the uh, Temptations Limited. Mm-hmm. Remember, he went into the shop and he was going to buy these. He was looking at a box and it had a price tag in it, and he ended up switching it with a cheaper one from another box. A snuff box. A snuff box and. And something, he blew into it, and something did get on him, so that could be where the elemental came from. But anyway, the next one's called The Door, and it's a, you know, kind of a nice guy who um, walks in there, and there's a music box playing, and and Peter Cushing's character says, oh, this is a nice music box. And he says, yeah, but I'm really kind of interested in the store. The store's, you know, caught my eye. So he says, oh, okay. He's kind of hesitant, but he says, okay, I'll sell it to you. Well, he sells this guy at the store, and he takes it home to his really attractive wife. I thought she was gorgeous. Yeah, she was a babe. Yeah, and he takes it home, and he puts the store in, and he installs it. And he plans on, you know, redoing it and making it real nice. It's got, like, a lion's head on the front of it. It, it seemed kind of out of place for that house. But Right. So, yeah, but it was badass, oh, so I'd put that in my dude, house. Dude, I'd put that door. Even though it even though it doesn't look anything like the rest of my house, I'd put that Oh, in. it was cool looking, man, and, and I assume he got a pretty decent deal on it. At least he didn't. Well, it was it was four hundred bucks. But he didn't screw the shop owner either. Right, and that yeah, we didn't know that till the very end of it. Yeah, but um, so one night the door's kind of open. And he goes in there, and 
as far as we know, this door only leads to like a pantry. But once he goes in there, it's like a room with cobwebs and a table with, you know, old books and kind of like an old library. Mm -hmm. Once he gets in there, he notices um, kind of some writing in these books about, I think it's it's telling the story of this Sir Michael Sinclair who he was doing a lot of things during the time of um, the Salem Witch Trials and things like that where Mm -hmm. he was practicing, he was, you know, kidnapping kids and women and basically sacrificing them to maintain within this door, right? Because it was kind of like this place that he created for himself where as long as he provided souls and bodies, he would, you know, live forever, right? Does that mm-hmm. seem correct? Um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't catch a lot of uh, exactly what was going on. Uh, well, that, I, um, I, but, but that sounds like it. Well, that, that's what I gathered from it was that, that – he was he was high ranking. He was he was a sir. He he was a knight, so he wouldn't be suspected of doing these things. So yeah. once he built that door and he knew these incantations to create that that like alternate kind of universe to where right. he could feed the souls and make that his place in the afterlife, that he would be set. Well, th- you know the guy tells his girlfriend and they go in the next morning and they go to the pantry and it's just you know it opens to the pantry. Right. He goes to bed later that night, and he gets up, and, and he goes back into the door, and the guy's in there. And the guy, he looks almost like a pirate. He's um got that the long curly hair and the long mustache and the it looks like, roughly like clothes. A, one of the three musketeers. Oh, that's, that's actually a better description. I like that. Yeah. But so basically the, the guy, I don't know if it, there may have been two or three account, encounters, but the guy basically says women are the best, and so he proceeds to take um, the main guy, William, his wife, Rosemary, and take her back. And at this point, William grabs an axe and is going to destroy the door. Well, then Sir Michael Sinclair attacks William, and Rosemary is left to destroy the door. And it's really cool because as they're hacking away at the lion's head and stuff, there's blood in the door. It's really cool looking, you know, and all the cracks, right. there's the blood oozing down, but... Um, ultimately, you know, because he didn't do anything to, you know, be deceitful to the shop owner of Temptations Limited, mm-hmm. I think that's why he was able to overcome the evil that he was sold. I agree. And I think, I think that's basically what the, what the whole movie really was about is if, um, I mean, you come in and if you cross, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin, then, uh, you die. Oh, absolutely. And, and. And we didn't mention this. Oh, I didn't mention this. But between every segment in this movie, there's a guy that's hanging out in the alley. And you know he's up to no good. And he keeps trying to make his way into the shop. But as he does, another customer comes in. So he's, you know, he walks off. And you know he's working himself up to something. And right. at the very end, he goes in there. And uh, you know that his intentions are probably to murder or rob that shop. Mm-hmm. And I like how that turned out. Also, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, what were your thoughts on this well, movie? It, it just, it just kind of gave us the idea that uh, that the proprietor of the of the Peter Cushing was more than he let on. Well, it, which is awesome because Peter Cushing well, doesn't and, play and that and kind of character usually. Right, and well, it was kind of obvious as well because I mean, every <clears throat> you know, in most of these uh, scenes, uh, you know, kickoffs to the story, it's like yeah. 
they they kind of crossed him and they kind of took advantage of him. But he knew you could tell that he knew what was going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they weren't like getting away with anything because he knew, in essence, what their fate would end up being. Yeah, and I thought that was really neat, man. Peter Cushing was awesome in this. Yeah, you know, and I like this one a lot. This movie a lot. I all but but the the problem is that the first two were, in my opinion, way better than the last two. And so again, I found myself just thinking, man, I don't I don't understand why they set it up this way. But uh, I don't know what did you what did you think? Uh, I'm gonna be I, like I liked all the stories in this, and I can agree that the first two were definitely the best. But. I don't know if you saw the Kruger Nation where I covered anthologies, but mm. this is my all-time favorite anthology. No, it, no don't get like, me wrong. This is, I love this movie. This was a great movie. Well, and, I the, the thing is, though, the whole feel to the movie, the look to it. I mean, this was an Amicus production, and and uh, you know, it, it's funny because um, I don't know that I've seen an Amicus where. The, the the presentation of the film wasn't just awesome, and th- and this is how this one every the, everything was visually interesting, um, you know they didn't like like you said this is PG there wasn't a lot of blood and guts and you know things like that but I mean they they used other devices to not only keep you interested you know but to kind of let your mind wander in, in, in so you could creep yourself out oh, and i thought the acting know, and, just i mean was superb on every in every story yeah the well just like uh, ferguson was saying i mean this <clears throat> this had an outstanding cast and you know it, it's just uh uh you know from top to bottom i don't i don't think there was anybody even i mean let's put it this way even uh, miss piggy in the in the second one <laughs> man she did a great job making me hate her guts yeah you know? you know what though i couldn't help but notice in the scene where they're laying in bed that she had some tiggle bitties <laughs> I mean, she wasn't my type, and she, you know, she was like, "What? Well, what are you saying? What you your type doesn't have big old?" No, titties. no, my type does. I'm no, I'm just joking. But she, I mean, she was repulsive and stuff. And Ugh. I thought, out of everybody, she probably, her and Donald Pleasance probably played their characters the best in this movie. I agree. <laughs> um, you know, it, I don't know. I, I the, this kind of reminded me of kind of a Friday the Thirteenth the series type deal. I mean, they weren't like expressively or explicitly cursed items or anything like that. But it's like basically, I, I think that Friday Thirteenth series may have have ripped their idea from this place. I mean, oh, I can it, see that, and I think that on that show it had a similar title of the shop, didn't it? I don't. Well, remember. I think it did. I, I mean, I would almost look it up because I think it's something like Temptation, something or other. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Um, but no, this I. This movie, I I think is, uh, first of all, it's I think it's head and shoulders above from a whisper to a scream, um, but uh, I think it's just far as a as a movie as a standalone flick. I think this one was definitely. Better. I give this one a buy too, but this is a bigger recommend than from a whisper to a scream. Uh, I, like I said, I really liked some of those, but um, some of them really fell flat for me. But in this one, you know, even the ones that weren't superior were pretty good. I, I, I'm i going to give this one a bow and saw, and the reason is is because out of I own a ton of Amicus movies and a ton of anthologies, and uh-huh. out of every one I own, this is my favorite that I go back to the most. And for some reason, I don't know if maybe it's because I grew up with this movie and I had it on VHS, mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't matter. N- no, I mean maybe, but, but you know, sometimes familiarity makes something a little more, you know, nostalgia and stuff. Sure. But for some reason, this movie just it just seems leagues above most anthologies. No, I did like this. Oh, movie. I, I just love so, it. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Did you uh, did you learn anything from this? Uh, I did. Uh, first of all, never cross Grand Moff Tarkin, <laughs> and uh, I also learned sausages again. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Oh man, I learned a couple things. So Anytime a guy wants you to go bang his daughter, run. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is not a good situation. That's not going to end well because that's not going to happen, dude. That's bad. You know what's funny is uh, now I I also learned that that uh, Donald Pleasance has never had hair on top of his head, but you know what one of the creepiest things about his daughter was is she has the thinnest hair. Oh, it was. It was like and, really thin, man. It was like spaghetti. And I swear she was gonna lose it just like him. I, I actually oh. I actually looked her up and she's in a bunch of stuff recently, like really? Doctor Who and a bunch of stuff. She, she, I mean, I, I, I'm not like prepared to say that she's like ugly, but she is definitely unique looking and she was creepy in this. Let me go ahead and say that if you go to Google images and you type in her name, that this is the best she ever looked because she, she went downhill from here. I take it all back. This woman is just plain scary. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I think it's just because she got more of his features. She looks a lot like Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Thin hair and all. Oh, she has the big nose, the beak. I mean, the same. Yeah, she has a giant fork. She has a five head. Oh, she has the five head, dude. Straight up. And with uh, really thin hair and her nose is huge. Listen, I mean, I, I realize that I it's hard for me to, to talk about this being perfect and all. But, you know, and I should. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, really, I really shouldn't, you know. It, talk about this kind of thing because it's rude but man she played this uh, she i think she did she was just, her look and the way she moved was freaking creepy and it fit that story perfectly. i loved the way her and her dad played off each other like well i you know it's funny i didn't even realize that that was uh that they were really related well and that's what's funny to me is the first time i saw this i didn't either like a long time ago and when i found that out i was like they really do seem like they know each other <laughs> like Super well. Um, I lo- That's because one of them sprang from the other's loins. <laughs> We're not going to say which one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I also learned one more thing. I learned the laziest way to add an extra room to your house. Just fucking throw a door up. <laughs> you got a lion head door, just stuff that bitch on. You'll, it might come with a, a musketeer. Yeah, that's that uh, with, with with a crazy musketeer bent on killing yeah. you eventually or your wife. That's a gamble you're gonna have to. <laughs> that's your own deal. Well, listen, you could just use it for a storage space. Only put in stuff there that you're not gonna need very often because every time you go get some, you're gonna be attacked by a crazy French guy. Put in your okay. put your Atari in there. Put your Dan Cook CDs. Stuff you won't ever touch again. <laughs> um, did, did you get any who else said that? Uh, I did. Uh... <laughs> And this, and I am not editing this at all. This is exactly the line. Awesome. Okay, grip my shoulders <laughs> now. Thrust. <laughs> now, now, that was uh, Stephen's uh, last uh, colon, colonoscopy exam. 
<laughs> you know what's so funny is that was uh, that was when, <laughs> that was when basically in, in the very first story when the man in the mirror was uh, kind of switching places with uh, the, the the guy who was killing everybody. Spoiler and. Uh, uh, right. Oh, right. Oops. No, no, no. You knew that. Oh, right, right. My I didn't bad. say that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but it was. It, I mean, the bodies were face to face in this, so it made a little bit more sense. But when I heard that, I about shit my pants. <laughs> it was so funny, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> Grab my grip, my shoulders. Now thrust. <laughs> Did you get any more, man? Uh, sausages again. No, I didn't get any more. <laughs> I got a few of them. I, actually, I have that one again. <laughs> Grip your hands on my shoulders now. Thrust forward. That is the instructions Warwick Davis gives all of his girlfriends. <laughs> you you really gonna ba- you bash on? Come on, dude. A little guy. They grip his shoulders and thrust forward. That's how it works. I'm not gonna go into detail about how that works. Yeah, I was gonna say the logistics are uh, above my head, but you know oh, it's what? above his head too. I was gonna say, but I'm... I have a two-part one right here. Okay. How many more? Not till I'm fulfilled. That is the world asking M. Night Shyamalan and him his response. About yeah. how, how many yeah. more movies? Really? Are we going to do this? Yeah. Because, you know what? You had one good one. The rest of them were yeah, shit. Yeah, we, we got we to gotta stop you here, dude. Um, and then the one last one. Not in a lifetime will you rub off. Not in a lifetime will you rub him off. I started laughing halfway through that. <laughs> that are that's all the past playmates to Hugh Hefner's future playmates. <laughs> oh man, I'm jealous of that. Guy. The memory count was zero, and I'm jealous of him too. Because <laughs> his, his memory count is like you, you'll never be able to count it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there are numbers that high. tonight alone at his at the at the the mansion. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, did you get a kick in the uh, balls? I did, uh, and now now this is like extra rude because I I didn't before before I before I when I wrote this down it was before I found out that this was really his daughter, but uh, kick in the balls goes to Donald Pleasance for having such a weird looking daughter. <laughs> hopefully if you hopefully if you kick in, in, him in the balls hard enough he'll never be able to procreate again. Oh man, it's so rude. It is, man. but it's awesome because you had no idea. Uh-uh. It's even better. <laughs> oh, man. My kick in the balls goes to the burglar that waited outside all day just yeah. to go inside and fall in a damn coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how obvious was he being? He wasn't a very good burglar. Oh, he was so and bad. So, you know, so it's like, okay, what else is he going to do besides go in and, uh, you know, fall in a coffin? Oh, he was, oh, my God. Like, I'm surprised he didn't, like, Fall through the the door, walking in, <laughs> through the glass. Yeah, he, that almost turned into like a Three Stooges bit. <laughs> I have a six degrees. Okay. Uh, Ian Ogilvy is in Eddie Presley with Bruce Campbell. Oh, I don't even know if I've heard of that. Movie. Um, well, I talked about it on on another show <laughs> to you, and you said you didn't. No, about that movie. <laughs> well, guess what? I still don't Damn know. Damn it. I still... I per- still... Apparently has, like, Tarantino in it and a few, like, big people in it. Huh. It's it's actually directed by the same director as Offspring. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, right. Uh, Alan Burr. Bell? Burr. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Raper? Raper. No, no, that doesn't sound right. Raper? Uh, no, Jeff Burr. Jeff Burr. <laughs> Raper. Raper. <laughs> 
And, and you're thinking of Raymond Burr. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? I've never thought that that's why he went by his full first name, because who's coming? Uh, Raper. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, uh, Alexander Hamilton would have ran. <laughs> right, exactly. And I had another six degrees, just in case. Um, it was David Warner is in the episode of Briscoe County Jr. called Heart of Dixie with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Excellent. So I got two just in case because I didn't know if a TV one would work. So I yeah, because we we don't know if you'll be satisfied. Yeah, I I don't want to be called out. You have his tears in his blood, people. <laughs> uh, I thought that was the uh, healthcare system. <laughs> oh right. Oh yeah. Right. Sorry. Uh, awesome. So uh, next week or uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about. We decided to do uh, talk about some of those Argento flicks that I didn't see. Oh, yet. it's going to be awesome. Should be cool, and uh, we're we're still kind of trying to finish up. We're going to be doing three movies. We only did two, but this has been uh, just as long as normal because we've been talking about all the stories. Um, but uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about what, we're we're going to come up with three flicks that I haven't seen yet. Um, do, do you feel like abused because it's all about me and what I haven't seen? Am I being so? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm happy anytime we can do any Argento. Okay, well, good. I don't feel like such a healing. Anytime anymore. we could do Carpenter or Argento, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Oh, I don't even think we've done an Ar- or a, a Carpenter episode. Well, you, so your like, second or third episode you did. Because you did Ghosts on Mars and you did... Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was very first. It was like one of the first episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we did They Live. The, yeah, you did They Live, you did Ghosts of Mars, and I think you did... Um, Damn it! What was it? Vampires. vampires? That was it. Yeah, that kicks ass. All right, yeah. So, uh, so that's what we're doing next weekend. And uh, however, we've got a bonus, special bonus, secret episode coming up next. Oh, and it's week. gonna rock, you guys. So get ready for that. In fact, I'm gonna start preparing for it tonight. Even though, holy crap, dude, it is late. It is. Ferguson's actually gonna be part of it too. Yes. Yeah, and Us three. and I think and he's excited too. Well, cool. Oh, dude, you know what? And the thing Ferguson's going to do is like is going to be way cooler than anything I add to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so let's just be real. Let's, I mean, I just I, you know I I can't compete with that. Okay, I I can't either. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but but uh, but you're pretty. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I have the voice of a ten year old. I've heard that from several people. <laughs> damn it. Well, that's really cool, and you and you, your laugh is just so cute. I've heard that too. Oh, that's. I'll take that. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, thanks, everybody, for the voicemails. Uh, I really appreciate it. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, at least it makes me feel good about me, and it, it sometimes hides some of my um, in, the inadequacies I feel about myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, number is 206-339-2730. That is 206-339-2730. Have you got anything else for us? Oh, that's it, dude. All right, so uh, from the Cadaver Lab, we'll see you. Bitches. Ya.